Welcome to Ram and Sam. Back at it again. We are here talking a lot of basketball today. Pretty much all basketball on the slate. Surprisingly, middle of the playoffs. NFL is obviously over. So, you know, we'll get into that. We'll get into a little rim action playing Frisbee, a little quad corner. We'll, we'll get into his experience. I'm, I'm real excited for that. Um, we, we won't start this with basketball. There is only one real place to start this. It's that time of the year, end of the spring semester. If you're in school, you guys know it's finals week. You know what's going on. And our man Sam has done it. He's taken his last test. He's finished school. The man has been through the system. He's won. He's going to get the degree. And congratulations to Sam is in order because he's done it. He's graduated from the University of Iowa, a proud Iowa Hawkeye alum. This is the only proper place to start. Congratulations, Sam. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm graduating this weekend. Uh, finally done. I'm telling you, when I finished that last paper, I was, I really could jump through the roof. It was, right. it was so exciting to finally be done. And yeah, no, I'm just happy to have that degree. My parents were asking, you know, do you want to do a graduate degree? I'm like, no, 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 no. There is no way, no how. So you never want to say never. But, you know, right now it's literally the furthest thing from my mind. But yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Sam's going to go for an honorary doctorate. Somebody's going to step in and give him one someday. Who knows? I, I will accept it. You know, that's going to be an interesting speech though it'll feel like another assignment but hey what you got to do to be a, a doctor i guess yeah, um, but as i'm finishing my college brawny has announced which his which college he's going to brawny announcing hard commit staying local going to usc um there's also a five star and a four star writing letters of intent. I did want to do a little deep dive on USC basketball program last couple of years. Last two years, they've been knocked out in the first round of the tournament. Made an elite run three years ago with Mobley Brothers. I've been consistently in the top three in the Pac-12. Uh, their coach is an okay coach. 12 years, 61% winning percentage. And only won the conference tournament one time. Hasn't won the conference ever, the regular season conference win was the second year coaching with the Florida Go Gulf Coast team. And if our listeners out there have great memories, remember that that was the Dunk City team that, you know, was upsetting some teams. It was interesting. I guess it got him a job at USC, but uh, he's gone seven and six in the tournament. Rem, it makes sense. It's, it's a decent program where he'll probably end up playing, you know, he'll be the main guy. He's definitely going to be the main guy. It's kind of crazy if you just look at who the other stars are in college basketball right now. Bronny kind of steps in and he's like the top guy from a name brand standpoint as well. But like on the basketball court too, the stars like haven't necessarily translated to the top talents in the NBA. It's just, it's a weird time for stars in men's college basketball right now. And if you look at last year's AP All-Americans, Drew Timmy, Jalen Wilson, Mark Sasser, Trice Jackson Davis, Zach Eady, the Arizona center, Jalen Pickett, Jaime Hawkes, Brandon Miller. I mean, Brandon Miller is going to go in the top three, but I don't know if any of these other guys are going to be first round draft picks. And, last, and in 2021 alone, seven of the 10 
AP All-Americans were lottery picks. So there's just kind of a lack of stars in college basketball right now. And Bronny steps in with an NIL evaluation of over $5 million. The next closest athlete, Jared McCain, who is also an incoming freshman, is at $1.2 million. And the next, the highest returning college basketball player evaluation is Caleb Love, who's transferring to Michigan, $747,000. So Bronny, from like a notoriety standpoint, is just like way bigger than any of these stars. He's probably, is he the biggest college basketball star just from a name standpoint since Zion? I mean, maybe on the men's side, I think Caitlin Clark, has been holding yeah. that crown for, for men. both men's and women for a little bit here. But, I mean, once Bronny joins, for sure he's going to be the number one guy. When you look at the top ten for most mock drafts, I don't recognize any of these names. And I may be a casual, uh, but, I mean, you know, Yahoo Sports has um, Matas Bozidas as number one, Zachary Richard from France, and Thierry Darlin from uh, G League Ignite. And those top mm-hmm. three guys are either G League Ignite or overseas. So even mm-hmm. the top guys are this year and next year are not even from college basketball. So like you, like you mentioned, we've, we've seen the top stars consistently you know, not go to play college guys. They play in G League. They play overseas. And that kind of hurts the sport. I mean, it really does because – when you look past in the day, you know, the, the clips that keep getting played over and over is MJ's game-winning shot. You know, you, you see, yes, there's some, you know, moments that are, are really featured from players who are only good in college, but a good chunk of them were also, you know, the big, big-time games were also ones that for stars that, you know, for the top guys in the game who translated to the NBA. So the sport losing their top talent, the very top talent, is definitely a big loss for them. And hopefully Bronny can bring it back because, I mean, him being at USC is not only a great thing for the team or the conference, but definitely for the sport. And I don't I don't even remember the last time they had this level of a uh, player in the Pac-12. Like, I don't know, Markinen, Mobley, like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. And there's like this big rush as well, too, to get him to the NBA, to get him to play with his dad. I mean, that's cool. That'd be historic. And the fact that LeBron could still potentially be at this, like, highly contributing level while doing the fact that they could just both be contributing basketball players playing real minutes together. is like a crazy thing. It needs to happen, but it would be good for college basketball for Bronny to stick around a couple years because just NIL numbers alone, he's double, triple five times more valuable than any of these other guys. His name is way bigger. And he has improved his game to the point where he he is a good player. He sh- showed up in the camps. ESPN, they have him ranked in the top 20. That's no joke for an incoming recruit. And if you look at the comps that guys have floated out for him, Gavoni had an article on ESPN, Jonathan Gavoni, after he recruited. And a lot of the physical comps that he comped Bronny to were guys like Gabe Vincent, DeAnthony Melton, He had Derek White and Josh Hart. All of those guys are serious contributing guys on playoff teams, like guys that are on closing lineups in playoff team. Bronny has the skills and he continues to get better. He is a good basketball player. And I think it would be good for college basketball to, for him to stick around, even though, even though playing with his dad would be a good thing. I think 
the star power that he brings to the sport. I think if he's there for two, three years, I think that's best case scenario. I mean, that's definitely one of the main um, differences now between nowadays and in the past is that, you know, usually stars would stay three to four years in college. And nowadays, you know, they, they go after one year and we're pushing for one and done rule or there is a push to get rid of the one and done rule. And so it would he would come into the NBA more polished. But I mean, that is less time for him to play with LeBron. And, you know, it, they definitely in his in the evaluation from him is that, you know, his best ability is to shoot from long range. And as long as you can hit threes and you're, you know, you're a solid passer, you're not hurting the team, then, you know, he's not he's not a wild athlete, but there's always going to be a spot for you in the NBA if you can hit threes and be a solid defender, be a good teammate. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if he is able to get the league. I just, you know, hopefully I think people have come around to tempering their expectations for him. You know, recognizing he's not going to be, you know, trying not to compare him to his dad and give him his own career. And we'll, we'll see what he does at USC. You know, there is talk of him coming off the bench. We'll, we'll have to see. He may earn the starting spot. And it, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm, I'm actually going to watch the Pac-12 for once. And the thing with Bronny's game is his skills are contributing skills. Like the main things that he does really well is he shoots, but he also is relocates he moves without the ball really well and he can shoot like coming off of screens full speed into pull-ups he's just really good shooting on the move and he plays defense at a really high level that's the same with all the comps that Cavoni had again like even Gabe Vincent is a guy that just has time and time again come up big for the heat so might actually be better for Bronny to be in the NBA just because his skills might actually be more valuable there like Gabe Vincent probably help this Lakers team. I know this Lakers team is on the edge of eliminating the Warriors going to potentially be in the conference finals. They're one of the favorites right now to win the Western conference, but that's still a guy that would get on the court contribute for him in playoff minutes and potentially be a guy that could be a closing lineup type guy. And I think for Bronny, that's actually pretty incredible that he's gotten to this stage. I mean, a couple years ago, there was questions about whether or not, you know, he was even going to make it into the league. Could he contribute in college basketball? And he's clearly gotten exponentially better every year. I expect him to probably continue to get exponentially better. And I think that his skills might actually be more useful in the NBA. So that might actually be better for Bronny to skip college that way. But he is a big star. It's going to be good for the year that they have him there. And they're stacked as well, the rest of the roster. They have the number one recruit coming in, the number one guard recruit anyways, Isaiah Collier. So that's going to be the main thing. And again, Bronny's skills, he's going to be able to complement him very well. Collier can score, can play make for the rest of the guys. Bronny's going to be able to shoot, play defense. But I think that I think the player that Bronny's becoming is actually a pretty incredible player. And if he continues to get better, I think he's really going to help an NBA team. No, you're definitely right. And it definitely looks like, you know, his best skills are more off the ball than on the ball, which will be good when you have guards who are going to have high expectations going in. Um, like you mentioned, Isaiah Collier, also their leading scorer and um, team high, you know, had the most usage rate at 25.6. Boogie Ellis, he's still on the team. So there's definitely a lot of mouths to feed there. And Bronny has shown, you know, he can play with stars. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who also left this roster and it's it's going to be interesting if they, if 
USC goes small ball with all three of them on the court and just try to shoot the lights out. But um, I think it's actually good for James that you have people who can have the ball like that and want to do it. And um, because of his name, people are always going to watch him. Um, they're always going to keep an eye on him, and he'll he'll find his way on some roster. I mean, Thanasis is in the league, man. Like <laughs> he'll find his way on a roster. <laughs> Worst case scenario, Bronny just gets really good at handshakes and cheering on the bench. And I mean, you you can make a living, like you said. Thanasis has made a living in the NBA doing that on the Bucks sideline. But I mean, even like when you hear where Bronny is at his best, it's in these camps, it's in these like All Star type games, it's in these games with these other good players because he's able to contribute, he's able to do the things, complete the roster. He's just a guy you want to have on the court. So. I think he gets in the league. I think he contributes. And, you know, you're you you're on the Bryce James bandwagon. You've said on here, you've made it official. Bryce James is going to be better than Bronny. And there are these like crazy lofty expectations. But I mean, again, he's going to have these amazing contributing skills. I think he's going to be able to help an NBA team. And I think I think he's also just proven that he'll continue to get better He's an incredibly hard worker. And these are all the things you want from a player. Like if Bron, take the name out of it, just go like blank slate. He's a shooter. He plays defense. He has incredible worth, work ethic, incredible professionalism. Like these are all incredible checkpoints you want from a prospect. He's doing it in high school. I think if he goes one and done, I think it's a good move for him. But either way, I think it's a win-win because, again, the notoriety he could bring to college basketball could be a good thing. But I think Bronny James has set himself up for success. No, he definitely has. And I, I think one of the issues, I guess, with uh, evaluating James or Bronny is that, you know, people want to see that elite athleticism, you know, that elite, that something greater. And he's, he, I mean, he's 6'3". He's a solid athlete, but there's nothing super great about him. He's just generally very good. And he'll find a place in the league. And, you know, obviously someone's going to bring him in. He's He's got his IQ, IQ through the roof. He's a good shooter. You know, you have to respect him. But there's no there's no superstar quality about him, which is, is tough. I mean, he is a five-star recruit, so there is talent there. Obviously, you can't be a five-star recruit without being, you know, showing something. And that's why I have Bryce over him is because Bryce is, you know, he's bigger. He's taller. He's just a bigger guy. And I think he's going to fill out his frame. I think he can have an elite athleticism. It's, it's It may seem... Kind of, you know, kind of, kind of anecdotal, but you know, having his dad coach him his whole career is, I mean, when you have one of the greatest basketball players, you know, probably is the greatest basketball player of all time, you know, after studying your games, that's that's great. So, I, I think uh, that's why I'm still on the Bryce chain. I think, you know, when I look at Bunny and the skill set, what I hear, you know, I think of smart play types who you need in playoff games, you know, Dante DiVincenzo. Um, you look at um, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, maybe Dennis Schroeder, those kind of guys who, you know, they're, they'll pass the ball, but, you know, they know their place. But and you, you're happy when you get 20 points from them, but you're not expecting something wild from them. And I, I just hopefully people will temper their expectations. And but like you mentioned, he's set himself up to succeed and um, we'll, we'll have to see how they do on. Bryce James NIL evaluation right now is also $1.2 million. So Bryce James could go straight into college and be the highest paid NIL evaluation guy in college basketball right now. That's the kind of name power these guys have coming in. But I think those numbers are by on three something. But it's going to be an incredible season, I think, at USC. This is going to be the most competitive team they've had in a while. Like you said, they're not like a 
powerhouse basketball school, but they're in LA. They're a high money school, high prestige school. It's a good school to go to. And Nike school checks all the boxes and it's going to be a fun season. Him and Collier. And I can't wait to say I'm on the, I'm on the Bronny James bandwagon. I don't know if he's going to be better than Bryce, but I'm on the Bronny James bandwagon. Well, see, I think, I think he's going to be a solid player. Nothing great, super great, but um, he'll have his moment. He'll, he'll have his 30 point game and Aaron will go wild and, then he'll have his like 12 point game in the next game. Um, moving on to a team that didn't commit to their to their coach. Uh coach Bud um sadly got fired. You know, obviously, you know, you don't want to celebrate anyone getting fired, but you know, I did mention last week a sacrificial lamb. I thought, you know, yes, Coach Bud did have his issues, but I, you know, it's tough to go out there and get a coach of of his pedigree, of his experience. I mean, he does have the same issues over and over. Um, but the team picked the players. Uh, they they uh, sounds like they are looking at interviewing Kenny Atkinson. Um, definitely more of a, a players coach, and it, it definitely seems like uh, they're they're also eyeing maybe currently employed coaches. Um, that, that wouldn't be surprising if they made that jump. I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure why they don't. You know, maybe give Nick Nurse an interview. Who knows? But uh, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. I was a little surprised. But, you know, I, I think it's definitely a move that's been a, a years in the making. In the last two seasons, they haven't even gotten to the conference finals in the East. That's coming off of winning the title. Giannis MVP, best player in the league. But they've been bounced in the second round two years in a row. Coach Bud, like you said, has to be the sacrificial lamb. And I don't know. Nick Nurse stuff was like the first name to be floated out there. Like you said, they're going to also go after Kenny Atkinson as well. I much rather prefer the Kenny Atkinson stuff over the Nick Nurse stuff. Nick's Nurse, great basketball mind, great basketball IQ. But I, when the tenure at the end comes down to relationships being fractured between players and locker rooms and guys lose the locker room and all that stuff, I just, you know, it feels like there's a potential that that could just always deteriorate again into that at some point. And they want to go, like you said, more player friendly. Obviously, they're sacrificing the coach versus any of the players for now. But so, I mean, if, if I was running this, like I like Kenny Atkinson over Nick nurse, just because of the player relations thing. Yeah. I mean, with Nick nurse, I, he definitely, I mean, he has the resume, he has the ring. Uh, Kawhi did carry yeah. him to that a little bit, but you know, he did have some really smart uh, coaching adjustments in that final series. Um, he definitely, but later on with uh, him and Pascal, there's definitely things going on there. And considering the blow up that happened at the end of game five, right? Yeah, game five. Uh, that's definitely something they're keeping in mind. And to be 100% honest, I, I mean, I think Giannis had a big part in Bud getting fired uh, this time around. Um, him not being able, him being told not to guard Jimmy Butler, I think was a big part of it. And I, I think, you know, Giannis felt like he was being put in, in, in a non-winning position. And he, he was being put on the sidelines, and it's definitely someone had to get someone had to get fired, someone had to get blamed. I mean, first round, there's no way, and it, it's it's definitely smelling of a player's revolt, which you know is definitely warranted when you look at the mistakes that were happening there at the end. When you look at the last years of Bud not knowing how to adjust, so it's it, it's tough. But I guess Giannis is you know he's a he's a real superstar now. He he's gotten he's gotten rid of a coach. It feels like they also need to give Charles Lee an interview as well. Charles Lee's been on the staff there with Coach Bud. Has his name has emerged as one of the top coaching search candidates in the past. 
He's been on staff. Feels like they need to talk to him. Chris Quinn from the Heat is always a popular assisted name that gets floated around there as well. Nuggets are currently in the playoffs. You know, they're trying to compete for the title, but I'm sure David Adelman's going to get interviews, going to get looked at as a head coaching for some of these vacancies. I mean, obviously, Rick Patino is going to St. John, so they can't bring in Rick Patino. But Becky Hammond stuff is the stuff that also gets floated out here as well. Her name is always popping up in these interviews. And I just think for her specifically right now, I think she's in a really good spot because she gets to coach the WNBA. She's the coach of the Aces. She just won the WNBA Finals. She's also gets the assistant coach Spurs. She has the assistant coaching job for the Spurs. She gets to do the double time there. And the Aces just got Candace Parker as well. So they just won the title. They're getting maybe the best player in the league. They have a great shot to repeat. So I don't think she's going anywhere. I think it's going to take a lot for a team to lure her away at this point. And just she, I think she's also aware that she's a big name in the WNBA. She's a big name for the sport. I mean, clearly the players want to go play for her. She just attracted Candace Parker and she people, you know, they'll tune in. She can draw eyeballs to the sport. She's well aware of that, but I think there's some other names that are going to pop up here in the search, but Atkinson's going to be a one going to be one that I think is uh, going to be popular with the guys. Should we do a Chris Middleton trade machine? It's that that time I know Coach Bud. Know. I've been on. They've that already train. made the move, but I mean that's not off the board that they could trade Middleton yet. He's definitely been the guy I pointed to uh, to be traded. He's definitely. I mean, I don't know if you have trades for it right now, but he's definitely been the. the I my personal opinion should be the sacrificial. You know they don't they don't listen to me I guess but uh, if if there's someone to point to for issues besides the coach it definitely be Chris Middleton. I do have one. I maybe we'll just start doing a Chris Middleton trade every because like you said I think he's gonna be a name that they're gonna at least float out there and see because I might want to make one other change. It could just be interesting maybe to gauge this a little more long term as well. Middleton he could opt yeah. in this year, but he do you want to commit to him long term? Maybe you could get out of that. Maybe like, like you said, you're a big, do you want to lose the asset for nothing? Trade them, try to get some pieces back in return. So this Chris Middleton trade, the Bucks are giving up Chris Middleton and Grayson Allen. Whoa. And in return, they get from the Pelicans, CJ Kyle. McCollum, Larry Nance, Jose Alvarado. So McCollum, Nance, Alvarado to the Bucks, Middleton, Grayson Allen to the Pelicans. Who says no? Uh, the Pelicans, that's a lot for Chris Middleton, who has been injured, you know, last the last playoffs in last year, too. So someone who's been in and out, someone who's gonna be older and will want a pretty big contract coming up here. I don't I don't know if you give up that much depth for, you know, someone who just choked in the playoffs. McCollum's numbers this year, the percentages, they took a bit of a drop. I know he was maybe over his head a little bit doing the point guard stuff. Maybe if you scale back and give him more just like traditional scoring shooting guard role, maybe he his numbers go back up a little bit. But his shooting numbers did go down. His contract is a little bit longer, 30 plus million over three years. Middleton, you pay him 40 million, but it's just the one year. So you're free up some cap flexibility down the road as well. I Lance is a good role guy. Nance is a good role guy, but Middleton, he's won a ring. He's a playoff performer. 
He's a 20 point, 20 plus point a game bucket getter in the playoffs. Grayson Allen is contributing role guy. Alvarado, you know, he's a contributor as well, but you get more shooting, a little more offense with Grayson Allen. It's just more like free up cap flexibility. Let's go with Zion, Brandon Ingram. It's a push for this year because Middleton, he's a win now guy. These young guys as well. Trey Murphy took a big step this year. Dyson Daniels, Ur- Herb Jones. These guys could compete and contribute in a playoff series, I feel like. So it's kind of just doing a one-year thing, getting out of the long-term commitment for McCollum as well, just because the shooting numbers took a dip. Yeah, but I mean, it feels kind of like a tanky move a little bit. Uh, maybe I'm just way too down on Chris Middleton. Uh, I know CJ McCollum, it'd definitely be an upgrade for the Bucs. Uh, it'd definitely be a win for them. Uh, but I don't know if they want to get rid of CJ, especially with Zion being so unreliable. It kind of feels like, you know, they, they did make the one seed at one point this past year. They were my team of the year. And I, I think they kind of want to run it back. You know, they kind of want to hang in there, see what they got with Zion. And, you know, CJ has played that second fiddle role. Who definitely knows how to take a backseat, you know, if Zion comes back and he takes more of the scoring, Brandon Ingram too. So definitely I I, I keep CJ uh, just because of his durability, um, how much he breaks you. And Larry Nance and Alvarado is such invaluable depth for them when they get into those big matchups. So those are two decent playoff guys. So uh, I would say no to the trade bomb, the Falcons, but it's definitely an upgrade for the Bucks. So take if you take Alvarado out, does that change your mind at all? McCollum, Nance for Middleton and Allen, just a two for two swap. Yeah, yeah, no, that does definitely feels a little bit better. It kind of feels like a lateral move though, but you know, I, I, I would see if you could do like Chris Middleton for McCollum in a pick. You know, something, something a little, little more streamlined. Definitely, because if I'm the Pelicans, I'm trying to keep that depth as much as possible, yeah. Yeah. um, in that size. So, you know, if. if if they do throw it, if it's if it's McCollum and Alvarado for Middleton and Grayson Allen, you know, do, do the Milwaukee say yes? You know, it's, it's definitely starting to get in the gray area. So, yeah, if, if, if I'm the Pelicans, I I mean, yeah, I'd probably, if, if I really wanted to do a blow it up kind of move, not necessarily like tanking, but, you know, something interesting to show on we care, then I'd probably be like a Middleton for like McCollum and picks or, you know, maybe some – I really would hate if you got traded, but you know, uh, Jones, uh, Herb mm. Jones, maybe Trey, uh, Trey Murphy, and like uh, oh, Jose Alvarado, no, some no. some young package, just to make the Bucks younger because they need to get younger. I mean, they're they're pretty old team because even with Giannis not being too old right now. So is Middleton below McCollum then, and you're standing in the league of players right now? No, he's still above. That's why I'd still have Pelicans would have to throw in Do a pick if they're trading yeah. just okay. McCollum. Okay. But in terms of, I think, in terms of around the league, their perception of Middleton is higher than McCollum. But in my own book, I definitely would have McCollum over Middleton. Yeah, in I your just, own book, you would. Yeah, yeah, I would. Because I, I just, McCollum's just more wow. consistent. And um, I just I just like him more than Middleton right now. Now, you know, a couple of years back, who knows? But um, he's just seen so many games and... Yeah, he's, he's gone through so much. And his playmaking did take a step up this year. He was asked to do more. You know, he may not be the best point guard in the league, but he did play make more. And there were games where it was they didn't have any of the stars. Ingram wasn't there. Zion wasn't there. And it was basically just McCollum, Valanchunas, pick and roll. And they were winning some of those games. 
you put him at home and the role guys can get shooting and they can get hot from three. They could compete. They can contribute. So, I, you know, McCollum was up and down this year, but I did think he showed some stuff where I think he's still got a little bit in his game. The middle Middleton's two-way ability at its best, I would still prefer Middleton over McCollum. But that's crazy that you have it like that, and that's crazy that it's that close. Because, again, Middleton was winning a title a couple years ago. This guy's an all-star. C.J. McCollum's never been an all-star. 20-point-a-game scorer on good teams, but never, like, all-star level player like Chris Middleton was. So I, you know, he's never really got healthy this year. This could never really quite come back from the injury. It'll be interesting to see if that's just who he is going forward and he's just not able to stay healthy. But I think if he just takes the off season, focuses on health, gets to recovering, can come back and play a full season next year. I think you have a really good case that he could be back to full Chris Middleton for at least one more year on this Milwaukee team, but it's crazy that it's gotten to the point where it's this close after, I mean, it is again, two years now losing in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. I I think when you look at age, when you look at cost and you look at how much you're going to get for him, you know, I I definitely, that's why I have McComb above. And, you know, it's definitely Middleton at his peak is better than McComb. Uh, Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if he can reach that peak again. He's getting older. Um, He's going to want, 40 30 like a high 30s 40 mil and McCollum at a little bit cheaper for pretty similar production uh bucks you know don't have really an issue on defense i think they can make up for him for sure uh that's definitely one of their strong points so you know it's it's definitely uh it's a little it, it is a little bit of a hot take but middleton has just been under 20 points for the last couple of years and you know, when your main role on the team is to be the secondary scorer on a championship team, it's just uh, it's just how the cookie roll crumbles. Like just, that's what your role is, you know. So tough, tough scene. Um, but moving on to the teams that are in the playoffs, Warriors versus Lakers. It's uh, it's not looking too good for the Warriors right now. Down three one. Uh, have a tough, tough loss on the road and. You could definitely – the Warriors definitely made some adjustments. They were leading for a good chunk of this game. Uh, you could see them bringing out AD out to the perimeter, making sure that, you know, they could get some open layups, uh, showed some plays that were built to uh, expose AD. But that fourth quarter, uh, your boy Lonnie Walker, 15 points, 6-9. and nine, And it's just kind of sad to think that one of these teams is going to have to go and it's probably going to be the Warriors with Curry having an all-time series. It is an all-time series from Curry. He continues to play at an all-time high in these playoffs. And in this game alone, he wasn't shooting. He wasn't shooting well from three. He was one for nine from three in the second half of this game. But he put up a triple-double. It's only his third playoff triple-double. And he just continues to find ways to contribute that aren't shooting and just doing it at high level, the rebounding, the playmaking, putting up with the physicality of this team. I mean, having to deal with Vanderbilt and Davis coming off a pick and roll where Vanderbilt's chasing you over the top and then all of a sudden Davis is staring you in the middle of the lane. Like, this is just, there's not a lot of space to operate on the court. It's a very physical series. And even with the Lonnie Walker stuff in the fourth quarter, 15 fourth quarter points for Lonnie Walker, Best player on the court for the Lakers at the end of the game. It's incredible, incredible heat check performance off the bench for Lonnie Walker in this playoff game. And still, it came down to the last seven possessions of this game. 
the last two minutes, the Warriors were up 99 to 98. I mean, they were leading for most of this game. It was close, but they were up 99-98. And Clay misses a 28-footer. He misses a 26-footer. Steph drives, makes a layup. It's actually a great shot. Splits the splits the pick and roll. Gets past 80. Gets to the rim. Makes the layup. But layup. But then misses the 18-foot step back on AD. Rims that out. Misses the 29-footer. And Draymond, the turnover, driving baseline on the inbound play. I LeBron and Davis, they swallow up the hammer action. You know, they they do a great job of communicating, getting the switch. Same with Schroeder and uh, I forget who else was on the perimeter with Steph, but they switched there as well. The thing with this play is Draymond's driving to the rim. He has Schroeder on and can probably just go up, get the layup, make it a one-point game with like 10 and a half seconds left, but throws it away, gets the turnover, and then Steph on the jump ball, wins the jump ball, comes down with it, but he can he throws it away as well, throws it over his head, gets it out of bounds. They were in this game. They had a chance to win, and the core guys, they just came up a little bit short at the end of this game. It's the first time that it's happened in this Warriors run, really, since, I guess, really since the 3-1 comeback versus LeBron in 2016. But they're in the 3-1 comeback again. And, you know, this game was, I feel like this whole series was super close. And this was the first time where there was, like, some glaring mistakes made by stars on either side. And this was the game that ultimately cost them. And now they're down 3-1. It's the worst spot to be in in a series. And they're not totally out of it yet. There, you know, there is a chance that they could come back, I think. Steph is still Steph. Who knows? They get hot from three. Crazier things have happened. But this is an awful spot to be in. And it was just those couple of possessions at the end with guys that you want to have the ball. Steph, Clay, Draymond, just for once, not making the plays that they've always made. Those are all excellent points brought by you. And, and I was actually going to bring up uh, a little bit about that because the pressure that is coming from Vanderbilt and the rest of the team, they, I mean, they know what they're facing coming in. Uh, LeBron and AD uh, have had, I guess, yeah, I guess they've had a lot of playoff experience against Curry. We think AD's had a couple of playoff series. He's only been in the West. And you think LeBron with those finals. And you see that pressure is getting to Curry. Of course, Vanderbilt, there's a shot of him, you know, dead tired on the bench, which is going to happen when you play against him. But they're forcing him into those mistakes, which killed him in 2016, which has plagued him his whole career, having those turnovers, forcing up those bad shots. And this is why many people, you know, still hold on to Curry not being clutch. And many of those fears should be dispelled by last year's playoff series in the finals. Um, the way he played there, the way he's played these last couple of games, um, he is a clutch player. But he has had these bruh, that have been very apparent his whole career, and he and he fell back into it. And, and this year has been one of the one of the more evident uh, times of this happening with him in another game four making a crucial mistake that this time lost him the game. People forget Sacramento game four. Curry called a timeout, which caught, got a tech, got a free throw, made the game a one-point game on that last shot. Uh, they passed to Barnes. I, I still, you know, I know everyone sitting at home on the couch says driving the basket. They, they should have at least done something with uh, with with bonus, made that shot easier. If it's a one-point game, it, it, there's literally no reason to not at least try to attack the paint, get a foul, get something. So uh, that, that's on them. But, uh, I mean, if, if they were – you know, did make it look like that, it would be 
a crucial mistake that would have lost them the game. And they're lucky they got out of there with a the win. Um, I think it was at home, though. Um, yeah, yeah, it was game four. But Curry, you know, we'll, we'll have to see if this continues the rest of the series. Hopefully he gets it together. Um, but we've seen this before. We've seen him have, you know, turnovers that don't make sense. When he turns that ball over after the tip, um, he definitely held a timeout. At least try to hold on to it. At least get a jump ball. You know, just get a chance. And um, it's, it's tough to see him lose like this. Uh, you know, three one. Now they have to, you know, beat the beat the Lakers three times in a row. That's mm. yeah, that's a tall order. But uh, who knows? We'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Maybe Curry gets back revenge for twenty sixteen. But you can definitely see that the the Lakers were coming their adjustments. Eighty is continuing to be a, a superstar, like you mentioned. He has to be that number one. And their pressure is getting to Curry. You can see his his warts starting to show. And Schroeder as well in this game, too, was on Curry at the end of the game. It wasn't even Vanderbilt guarding him. Schroeder was putting pressure on him, chasing around. He was doing a good job guarding him. And Reeves in this game, really in this second half of this game, of this last game, was like his first good half of basketball in this series, finally shot the ball well. He's still only 37% from the field on the series, but going into that, I think he was like 20%, 20% from the it, it was not good. It seemed like his confidence was shaken a little bit, but he he was shooting better in that second half, got back on track. And Davis, if Davis comes out on top of this series, does Davis take the best U.S. player title away from Curry? Because I feel like Curry has it right now. It was either Curry or Durant going into the playoffs because I, the other best players in the league... Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, Doncic, if you want to throw him in there. I Shea even, they just announced first team All-NBA today. Shea's Canadian, so Curry was probably best U.S. player. Durant was in the mix with, with the regular season he's had, but if Davis wins this playoff series, does he take that title away from Curry? Uh, I, I mean, we can definitely see it happen. Uh, I still would have, you know, Curry just because of his consistency. Um, you get what you need from him, but you know, not um by by him dominating this series. I think it's more of a series built for him kind of thing. And uh, when you see, and it makes you wonder whether they should have kept Wiseman. Uh, the Warriors have always had an issue with size, and it, it's very interesting. You know, I don't think Wiseman would really stop too much, but at least someone. To give you 10, 15 minutes, someone to really push him around. I mean, we haven't seen Inga at all, uh, who's supposed to be the guy who's supposed to, you know, help shut down bigger players. Um, I, I haven't seen him play that much. You look at the the rest of their roster, they've they've kept it pretty tight here. So I, I think they've kind of given up on 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 stopping AD. And that's just wild for a team that, you know, is one of the smarter teams in the league. But credit to them, you know, they still fought hard. They they got two shots at the end of the game to tie it, to win it, down by one. And then, again, later on, they had a play to win it or to bring it to one, I think. They they had multiple chances to win this game in the final minutes. Curry still played great. Um, had his third career, playoff career, triple-double, 31, 10 assists, and 14 rebounds. Uh, but... 
you know, it's it's one of those things where there were mistakes made by the Warriors that were very clear they got in their own way, and we're gonna have to see it's tonight. They're playing again. It's it's probably. I mean, they're gonna have to fight for their lives playing on the at home, right? Yeah, game five is yeah. at in in uh in Golden State. So they they they've shown to be a good playoff our home team, and they'll they'll need it tonight. If this is the last series that if the Warriors lose this series, they're out for the season. Is this the last time we see Draymond on the Warriors? And I don't know how dramatic it gets. I mean, he has the player option, 27 mil. You know, who knows if he gets that somewhere else? Who knows if an, who knows what another team is willing to pay him? Who knows if he just decides it's time to step into his com- media career and just step away from basketball completely. But is there potential this is the last time we see the big three of the Warriors together in the playoffs in a playoff series? Oh, uh, we'll have to see. Uh, you know, it looks like he's very confident that they can come back and win. Um, he's he's yapping a lot on his uh on his pod, and we'll we'll have to see if they can run it back. They'll have to have to have to bring down some contracts this next Austin just because of the new CBA rules. I mean, unless uh, Lakeup is fine with paying ridiculous prices, I mean, it's just gonna get more expensive. I think we were talking about a. First ever, what, what was it, 500 million roster ever or something along those lines where they're about to break a record. And that was before the new CBA. So, you know, with with how he's been performing, it's going to be interesting what they do. Jordan Poole also hasn't played out to his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely overpaid as well. Clay has shown signs of wear and tear. So this is just an aging roster. They, they they've gotten you know three cha- four championships out of this team like in, in the last you know eight, what is it eight years right uh yeah. they, I mean they've done a great job it's is you know it's definitely I consider it a dynasty I think I think other sure. people you know may have some qualms about it I mean they didn't make the playoffs in 2020 right um well yeah they ended up with the number two pick that year yeah exactly yep yeah they kind of tanked that year you know Curry got hurt. Uh, kind of thing. I, I highly doubt they'll blow it up just because of how great Curry's playing. Uh, of course, you'll want his guys around the people he trusts. But if, if they blow it up, you know, they, they had a great run. They had a great run. Um, I know they talk about being light years ahead and they want to continue the timeline. But, you know, with the trade with Wiseman, uh, not playing Kaminga serious minutes in this series, it definitely has some serious questions about their future. Uh, I know Moody has been productive off the bench. but Yeah, Moody's getting minutes. It definitely... Yeah, he's definitely playing. So they're headed for a rebuild, a, a tank. I think they're going to tank at some point. That's why I think they should seriously consider. I know, I know, it's horrible. You know, it's horrible. You, you know, we just had a triple double, but <laughs> you know, in in the very darkest Uh-oh. corners uh, of of the, up there in California, you know, just 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 look, you know, see what you can get for Kurt. You know, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. You know start anything but just 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 take uh just just uh check the tires you know i, I don't know what the phrase is but this I, I when you look at the top teams in the league it's definitely they're 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 right up there but they're they're definitely punching above their weight and draymond's not going to get better clay's not going to get better um and uh it's, it's it's just really disappointing it's really disappointing for this team i don't know what we really expected from them 
I don't know. I'm just rambling right now, but with the Warriors, I, I've been on the trade Draymond trade for a long time now. Uh, I think there's going to be a major tankathon coming in the next three, four years. I think Curry's still got too much gas in the tank for them to seriously consider it. Uh, but I, I think I've been on this trade for a while, and if this is the offseason, you know, hallelujah. Hopefully Curry can get some guys around him and pull a trade deadline like the Lakers off. And that's like the smart basketball thing to do, to flip the asset, to get value back for it. But I, if it's not this offseason – it's probably going to be the next for the Warriors because I there's just with the CBA, with the age and with play on the court this series with there's some matchup based. I know the defense is still there, but offensively and there's the turnovers and there just continues to be the technical foul stuff in the play. But just all the stuff that Draymond brings to the court, all the stuff that is accentuated by the fact that, you know, his skills, his shooting diminish, his offensive game continues to diminish. It's going to be this or the next. We're in the end of the era of this version of the Warriors dynasty of this big three. So I, I think big picture is just important to go, hey, you know, this may be coming to an end. Let's sit back. Let's enjoy this a little bit because we may not see this again. But it's going to be this or the next. There's just no way that long term they can keep him around trading him would be the smart thing to do for the fan base you know who knows if they ever get there but we are in the end times of the warriors dynasty yeah no for sure and when you i mean it's one of the things that is kind of weird kind of the catch 22 is that they want to be competitive they want to push for titles but at the same time they also want to develop new talent and when you don't play your players the young players who are supposed to be that next generation you know serious minutes then you don't allow them to make mistakes you don't allow them to grow and when your person who's supposed to be a superstar in Kaminga just has I, I think he's had he has had two DMPs this game played a total or this series uh played a total of 18 minutes between game two and game three and then against sacramento had a dmp and then played uh, i think an average uh looking her of course they don't give me the average but uh definitely i mean it's definitely not double digits he had three games where he mm. played less than four minutes so you know a song coming off the bench at the very end of the games and are those uh, blowouts but, big point differentials yeah I, th I think they are yeah uh, one of them was a one-point game, actually. But most of them are blowouts, yeah. Um, that game, five, six, four. Game four, I uh, played like three minutes. But beyond that, it's just it's the same thing like Wiseman that people were saying, you know, really hurt his development, which is why they traded him, is he needs buckets. He needs time. He needs playing time. And these young guys need to get out on the court. And if you don't play them, then don't be surprised when they're performing when you do turn to them. So it's 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 definitely something that sucks long term. For the short term, I, I think you you know it's kind of like when you're driving your car with a check engine light, you know you know the thing's probably broken, but you kind of got to keep going. You know you just, you just pray you get to the end, and it's it, it's just how they are right now. They know their issues, they know what's wrong, pieces are falling off the the car. But hey, they won a championship last year, so. You know, something so they can't, you know, they, they, they have to leave and they're they're probably gonna get knocked out tonight, get the gentleman sweep. You know, it'd be really sad if 
Curry's career ends like this, or if he continues to just not get out of the first or second round. Are you in or out on these guys as prospects then, like Kaminga? I mean, we've seen Moody play a little bit at the end of these games, but you know he's not playing heavy, heavy minutes in the rotation necessarily. Maybe if they continue the series, maybe that changes. But yeah. up until this point, he hasn't. Same with Kaminga. Wiseman never got on the court. Is it Was it mismanagement by Steve Kerr? Was it not playing these guys in the regular season, giving them enough minutes, making sure you're focusing on the development? Or are these guys just secretly not maybe the high-end prospects that we thought? I mean, Kaminga flashed for sure. We've seen the athletic upside. We've seen the defense. We've seen him attack the basket. Flashy finishes. But you know, he was a very inconsistent prospect coming into the draft. He had up and down performances in the G league. And, you know, it's, he was labeled as a boomer bus guy when they picked him. So you, to see this outcome is not necessarily a surprising outcome for this David stage of his career, or was it the warriors this whole time? Cause I, I feel like if they're good basketball players at some point, they're just going to find a way onto the court. I mean, Moody is finding a way onto the court here. He's working his way into the rotation. I just feel like that happens on a basketball team, especially when you get desperate, when you're in desperate times. But maybe Kerr is just being the stubborn guy with, maybe he's got the Tom Thibodeau gene with his rotation lineups. Well, and the Warriors is a special case because their offense is pretty complicated. You know, it's not a regular offense. They have their own signature True. kind of value. And... They do. They they don't really give much room for mistakes. They're pretty. They're pretty cutthroat, from what we've heard of reports with the team around them. Um, you know, I, I, we can. I guess, you know, Jordan Poole and Draymond are fine, but you know, he did punch them. I mean, that did happen. So there's definitely not been great chemistry between the young players and old players. You know, outside of maybe Curry and Clay, they're chilling. But you know, Draymond being the vocal leader on that team. There has to be some enmity for him to go up to a guy and pretty much knock him out in practice. You know, that, that was a while ago, but, you know, that has long-term effect swinging on a guy. Um, but, you know, when you look at when you look at the Warriors, <clears throat> they, they just had so many uh, failed projects for their young players. Uh, besides, like, when you think about it, outside of Curry, you know, one of the best shooter of all time, outside of Clay top three shooter, you know, top five shooter, wherever you put them. And outside of Draymond, who have they developed? I mean, those three are all Hall of Famers, you know, Hall of Fame coach. But beyond that, like, they they really haven't developed anyone since then. They've kind of just plugged and played. And I think kind of, you, you know, given up. I don't know if they've given up, but they haven't really done a great job at developing players. Uh, you know, he's looked at, you. I mean, Wiggins, did come in and he did play great, but at the same time, I mean, that was all part of his game. And I, I don't know if we really saw something different from him. 18 and five kind of has been his whole career. He just did it in the best moment, which is great for him, you know, shout out. But well, he's a former number one overall pick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he should be at least that, uh, which is high why pedigree guy. Other, yeah, still was to fight him when he was his teammate. So but when you look beyond that, They've had this had this run for what a decade ish, and you know you look at the names Jordan Bell, um, you know on the team Anthony Lamb. I mean you just look at their players that they've gotten over the years, and they they haven't 
to really develop something, which is really weird for a team like that where it is such a high IQ team. You have great leaders like Curry on that team. We have Clay. You have Steve Kerr, who is a USA basketball guy. He's a, he's a great coach, one of the most respected in the league. But it, it, it just seems kind of weird, kind of off, that they can't develop anyone. And the, the people who they have developed are Hall of Famer players. Like you mentioned, they're going to just be good. And they're and and Curry quite literally forced the team to his will once he figured out, you know, got his core strength up, um, was able to, you know, and, and we know his story. But it's 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 going to be an interesting storyline <laughs> these next couple of years with the team. And it's it's something that, you know, I love Curry. And I know he's he's definitely one of the most lovable, if not the most lovable superstar in the league. And it, it's tough to see him go out like this. And like we said, this is possibly it. It's either this year or it's the next, because unfortunately, Draymond, I just I I don't I don't see it happening. I don't see them committing to him long term. And they're like they're gonna have to change and move on eventually. So enjoy it now. We're potentially coming to the end. Yeah, no, appreciate appreciate the greatness while it's here. Um, but while one run is ending, another one is kind of starting. The Denver Nuggets. I've been I've I've had so much stock in this team since literally day one. I've loved this team. Shout out. And finally, they're all together. They're all healthy. Up 3-2 on the Suns. Or not 3-2. It's 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. Is it 2-2 two, two right now? 3-2. Right. Oh, yeah, because they played last night. Yeah, 3-2. Yeah, three, two. Two. yeah, shout out to Jokic. Uh, had his 10th career uh, playoff triple-double, 29 points, 12 assists, 13 rebounds, and a really funny interview with Shaq. You, you could tell from his face he knew he knew the answer he was asking. Um, asked Shaq, you know, where are you on that list for triple-doubles? And, of course, Shaq said, hey, don't pass. So that was funny. You could see you could see his face. That was, that was one of the funnier moments from this. And, you know, Jokic needed a PR boost after, you know, almost knocking out <laughs> uh, Matt Ishiba. Ishiba? Ishiba? HBO, HBO, Suns owner, which is funny that, you know, they he, he's messing with the players, but obviously they're not going to throw him out because he's owner. But back to the on the Joker. court, um, no road team has won a game in this series. Um, it kind of just shows the importance of the bench for both teams. Uh, the Nuggets are best when their players around Jokic are cooking. Now Jokic can step up. He can have a great game. Uh, I think last game, let me get the stat line correct here. Uh, last game with, I mean, on the road, uh, team around him wasn't playing great. Uh, you look at it, and I think he had forty points. Am I am I correct in that? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, he had a monster game. Did whatever he wanted. It was enough to win. Uh, but yeah, he had 53, <laughs> 11 and four. Um, twenty of thirty from the field, two of four from three, eleven of thirteen from free throw line in game four. Comes out next game has a triple double. So just seeing this consistency from Jokic, he's won two MVPs. Like we always say, we love to have see that Petter. Uh, he has shown that he is one of the top players. But with Giannis choking this year, uh, you know, Curry, you mentioned best USA player, but he's about to get knocked out. Is Nikola the number one player in the league? He's definitely on offense the most unstoppable player in the league, the most like, what do I do to stop this guy? How do I do it? I don't know who you can switch onto him. I don't know what you can do to guard him because like Giannis, he was hurt. There is an injury asterisk that is going to be over his season, but he can't shoot. 
Jokic can shoot. Jokic can get a shot off from more spots on the court than Giannis can. Curry has been incredible this series, but the shooting still has been up and down. The physicality has messed with his three-point shooting. Same with Durant. The Nuggets have been physical with him. Gordon has done a great job on defense. Durant is, you know, shot 30% from the field multiple times in the series, has struggled a couple of games against the Nuggets. And Embiid as well is dominant, but he just, there's an injury thing with him. Can he do it long-term? term like can he put together enough healthy rounds in the playoffs Jokic doesn't have those injury concerns and when he wants to like shoot the ball and when he turns up and is aggressive on offense I just don't know how you guard this guy he's too big he's too strong he doesn't need to move like he just plays he could play from a standstill He can back you down under the basket without the ball, get position, turn, shoot. He can step out, hit the three-pointer. He can do it when the clock's down to 1% on the shot clock and he's turning and fading. And you're like, there's just no way Jokic with his awkward shot's going to rainbow arc this three. And then just time and time again, he continues to do it offensively. So just if I was a defender, Jokic, I would throw my hands up in the air. I just, there's no way you can stop this guy. He seems like the most unstoppable offensive force in the league. And he's just so consistent uh, with his scoring. And like you mentioned, I mean, you know, seeing him in person, it was it was wild. I mean, he was playing the Cavs, who had Mobley, who had Jared Allen. You know, they had size, and it just it just didn't matter. You know, he he was going to get what he wanted. Um, you know that that game wasn't really close, so he's more passing. But I, when you look at the stats, the last four games, because uh, the first game he was he was a little off, which is means he had. 24, 19, and 5. But when you look at the last four games, he's averaging 37.8, uh, 11.3 assists, 12.5 rebounds, shooting 60% from the field, and that's 15 of 24 on 25 shots. So he's taking, I mean, 60% on 25 shots is wild. Uh, 46% from three, almost four attempts. And 80% from the free throw line on seven attempts. So he's just playing out of his mind right now. <clears throat> Obviously, it, it would be great if he could translate that into play on the court, which, I mean, or into wins. Uh, but, you know, when you look at that three-point game, he had no – Denver didn't have any business being that close in that game. Uh, Booker and Durant were going off. The bench was going off. And he kept it close. He kept pushing. He kept, you know, he kept being aggressive. And, you know, his team didn't go up for him, which is tough. But, I mean, Jokic is already – he's been doing great things, and it's great to see him with the team around him. You know, they still have some groin issues with Jamal Murray, still an underdeveloped player, Michael Porter as well. Aaron Goldberg is kind of a one-trick pony. You know, it's not not necessarily the best supporting cast, but it's definitely uh, – is, is you could see him reaching another level right now in the times that matter the most, which is the playoffs. In the regular season for Jokic, he was one of only three guys to average 24 points a game on less than 15 field goal attempts a game. It was Jokic 2022-2023 this past year. Kareem in 66-67 and Barkley in 89-90. Just the efficiency, but there was just a passiveness to a game to his game this year where he wasn't necessarily asserting himself as a shot maker. You mentioned the game you went to. 
that game, he just kind of like almost slept walked through that game and had a 28 point triple double. And you just like, wait a minute, what did, what exactly. happened? Jokic just did that so easily. I don't even really know what I just witnessed. Cause I remember tuning in for the fourth quarter of that game. It's just like, wait a second, Jokic all of a sudden 28 points. What's happening. And the bummer about that 53 point game is that's the Matt Ishbia game. And he really turns it on after that shove. He comes out, he's aggressive offensively. And if there's like this altercation on the court and then Jokic comes out, guns a blazing, carries the nuggets to a win. This is like an all time playoff memorable game for Jokic, but Booker and Durant were able to pull that one out. But you mentioned the scoring and the numbers from this past stretch and just the last seven games that he's put together. He is taking over 25 shots a game. He's never had a seven game stretch in his career where he's taken that many shots and 36, 14 and nine. And he's still 50 plus percent from the field, still insanely efficient. Even in this last game that they just won, he came out, he started the game. He wasn't necessarily shooting well, came out and shot three for 10, I think, to start and still finished the game shooting 60% from the field. He just finds a way. He's extremely efficient. And are you frustrated that he doesn't just do this on a night-to-night basis in the regular season and just put up these insane numbers? Because again, I don't know how you guard this guy. I don't know with his size, his strength, his just overall skill, shot-making ability. There's just, if he wants to do this, in the regular season and just have like the most insane statistical reg- regular season that anybody has ever had. He could absolutely do it. If he want. he could wilt Chamberlain a season if he wanted to. And he doesn't aren't he does. It's frustrating. That he doesn't come out this aggressive for an entire regular season. I get maybe there's big picture stuff in play here, but he could put up these numbers 82 games if he wanted to. No, for sure. And I think, you know, Booker is in that situation. Uh, he has to score that much, and that's why you see him being so ridiculously aggressive. You know, Booker recognizes that he doesn't have not nearly any that much talent besides Durant outside of him and Durant. You know, Aiden's kind of falling apart. Chris Paul is going to be out even this next game, game six. And uh, Jokic recognizes that his team, his team's still kind of young, and they need the shots. And they're going to be best when he spreads the ball around. It's his best ability. And, you know, when he when the team is when the team is facing, obviously plays defense in a way that, you know, it's just him with the guy on the island. He's like like Shaq has said multiple times, you know, he's not scared to be a big man. He's not scared to take him in the post, you know, body the guy and and, and get it done. So he still has that aggressiveness. You, you can recognize defenses that are geared to him, not trying to limit his passing and he'll he'll figure it out. But he knows, you know, with these young players, with these guys who need the confidence, who need those shots up. Jamal Murray was out for who knows how long, a couple of years back, I think a year plus. Um, and then Michael Porter has been in and out. Um, he has had some good playoff experience, but still, you know, he still is a little bit inconsistent. And Aaron Gordon as well uh, is a valuable piece that they can use. Um, and so it's definitely it's, it's it's definitely something like you, he could do like you mentioned he could just go out there and have the best statistical seasons and he, he kind of has this past year regardless yeah. but uh he he knows i mean that's just how i high iq he is as a player and you know i i think the only weakness for him and reason why he might not get as much respect in the league is is his appearance you know he seems like a guy from the YMCA doing his stuff you know and i i think I think that knocks him down because perception matters. And I, I think when people 
look at top people in the league. I think that's why you knock him down under, you know, people maybe like Tatum, you know, people like Booker. And I, I think this is a clear example of him being number one guy in the league, even if he looks like uh, your best friend from the line. I wonder if it's the defensive thing as well, too, because Doncic has the similar thing going on. You know, he's not necessarily an in-shape guy for his position, but I feel like peak Doncic and Doncic just in the years to come, he's going to be in that conversation for best player. I mean, Jokic, obviously, he just went back-to-back MVPs. We're not talking about that, but it's just the nuance of... Do you want Giannis? Do you want Embiid? Do you want, you know, peak Anthony Davis when he's fully healthy? Like, who do you really want at the end of the day between all these guys? And Jokic is just continues to be an unstoppable force. And I don't know why that negativity is necessarily at Jokic when it doesn't seem to be at Doncic. Not that it should be at Doncic, but Jokic, there's nothing you can do to guard this guy. And it just the fact that he always finds a way to somehow be efficient at the end of the day. You know, if he's not gonna, if he struggles shooting to start, he's gonna hit four or five shots in a row at some point in the game. It's just crazy that he is, he's hiding almost this player for an entire regular season and then busting out in the playoffs. And we haven't really got a chance to see it with this core because this is the first time we've seen this, these guys together. Murray, Porter, Gordon making a run this deep in the playoffs. Murray's going to be the other really important piece here coming down the stretch. These last two games against the Suns. And then, you know, if they advance into the Western Conference finals, because he's really carrying himself in this series like he is like a top guy in the league. He's 26 points a game. He's still scoring the ball. But for his career, just outside of that Utah series, He hasn't really shot the ball well for an entire playoff series. He's been up and down against the Phoenix Suns as well. And he's never been in an all-star game, never received an all-NBA vote for his career. So it's just when you're watching these games and when he's on the court, he's carrying himself, he's acting, and the Nuggets, you know, there's a confidence with him like he is like one of these top guys in the NBA. But do you think he's necessarily there with his play right now or or is he still like too just streaky as a shooter definitely has become more consistent over the last couple years uh but he is i mean he's still kind of streaky uh when you look at even the series uh game two he had only 10 points and and then you look at uh game or this last game he had 19 points and so when your main role is scoring you know that is uh that is tough to watch, tough to see, you know, going when, when in game two, he went zero for nine from three, uh, three of 15 from the field, but just his chemistry, Jokic, the, his ball handling, um, him, the way he creates shots, he is definitely a shot creator. And that's what this team really needs. Uh, Porter can do some things off the dribble when he gets the ball, you know, on the top, but he's not really a shot creator. Aaron Gordon kind of just gets spoon fed baskets. And beyond that, it's bench players. And Jamal Murray, you know, outside of Jokic, is definitely one of the best shot creators. And Jokic kind of just does it by standing. You know, he does he does create, um, he does he does you know a great job of running the offense. He can find the guy usually. He can you know move around and get a bucket. But when you need someone to you know really create a shot, you know, coming down the court, you know, no offense or no plan and set or plan set, and you just you need someone to go out there and get a bucket. Jamal Murray is definitely. 
on fire with that. He has some of the best moves, post moves for a guard in the league. And uh, he can he can create a shot. So while it may be a little inconsistent, he's definitely got more consistent the last couple of years. Um, we've seen definitely some encouraging signs. Him not being scared of anyone has been his identity ever since he started. Um, it's just his play has finally caught up to him now. That's going to be important because in the Western Conference Finals, Right now on the other side, the Lakers are up three to one on the Warriors. If they're playing the Lakers, I the Lakers one too is Davis and LeBron. You were the one going into the playoffs saying that look out this star power with the role guys, but this star power is just going to be overwhelming for these teams in the playoffs. We're in a scenario where that is starting to become true. And if that's the one, two for the Lakers, you look on the other side, the one, two for the Nuggets is going to be Jokic and it's going to be Jamal Murray. So he's carrying himself. He has that swagger. He has the confidence of one of these guys. But we'll see if his shooting can maintain. Because even if the Warriors come back and win, if the Warriors do the miraculous thing, pull off the 3-1 upset and advance, it's still Steph, Clay, Draymond, veteran guys, the dynasty, the modern dynasty in the NBA coming to town. Like, it's still going to... Murray is still going to be at the bottom of the list of the stars in the series in the Western conference finals, regardless of who they face, but he has the confidence to play at that level. We just need to see him shoot more consistently. And I just, his shooting and his playmaking are going to be important in the Western conference finals, regardless of who they play, because this is when the stars matter. And he is, Hands down, obviously, the Nuggets' second guy, but he's going to have to get to the level of these other guys who are these all-NBA guys, these top-tier guys, these, like, real A-list stars in the league. Yeah, I think the Nuggets would definitely rather face the Warriors. Um, there's definitely less size. Uh, you can definitely use Jokic's advantages more than the Lakers. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Jamal Murray's production is somewhat close, closer than it has ever been to LeBron's production. LeBron hasn't been playing on a superstar level. Now, he has made superstar plays when needed, but it's definitely, you know, compared to LeBron's standard of how great he is, it's definitely one of his weaker playoff runs. Uh, when you look at, if we if we look at the stats for this past series, I think we mentioned last week he's averaging 20 and 10. Uh, let's see here if, if it wants to come up. You know, he, he's getting older in his career. He's definitely, you know, you can see he's definitely playing more of a role player role, uh, not bringing the ball up as much, uh, being kind of off to the side. Let's see, last game he had, last game he had twenty seven, uh, but when you look at this series, he has been averaging. Oh, there, here we go. He's been averaging, yeah, twenty three, eight and five. So I mean, obviously, he's still contributing more than Jamal Murray, but it is. Close. I think it is closer than uh, people would think. And when you look at who Nuggets can match up with LeBron, you have uh, you have Aaron Gordon. Um, I think Bruce Brown could bother him, but you you have players who can match up with him. And I don't think there's really someone who can stay in front of Jamal Murray. Um, Curry is cooking them. I mean, they have Jared at Vanderbilt for him as well. But you know, I, I think I think Jamal Murray could also have a good series against him as well, and maybe even more. His his points are definitely going to be even more important in this next series. Because Jokic may be maybe tough for him to score over AD and over LeBron, so yeah, I I definitely I, I don't think the gap is as huge. I definitely 
think the Lakers should be favored to win. Um, I would personally pick the Nuggets just because of, you know, I, I think they I think they would win, but I definitely understand why the Lakers would be favored to win. It's LeBron, it's AD. They've done it before. And uh, but yeah, regardless, <clears throat> uh, you can see in this series that, you know, even if the Suns go out and beat uh Nuggets this next game, uh coming back in Denver, uh the, the Nuggets haven't lost at home yet at seven and oh in the playoffs. Had a league best 40 and seven for their home record. So pretty confident they should clutch it out, even if they do drop this next game. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting series against Lakers. Davis matchup is going to be key because Davis is having one of just the most dominant interior defensive postseason runs that a big man has had. Even bubble Davis, Davis was high level dominant in that run, but he was scoring. He was doing offense, rebound. Like he was. Davis has always been an awesome two-way player. He's always done it on both ends of the court. But in that bubble season, it felt like it was still a little bit more offensive-driven, the focus of this game. His offense has been up and down in this playoff series. That can't, you know, that could be a function of the Lakers and their effort to get him the ball. But his defense night in and night out has been one of the best things in the playoffs, one of the best things that a player is doing in the playoffs right now, he was dominant in that Grizzly series and he is dominant again in this Warrior series. He just, he takes away so much of the court. He completely swallows up the pain. They're switching him out. They're getting him moving, but there's still times he's bothering shooters. He'll get in passing lanes to flex, still get steals. He's just all over the court, hands down right now the best defensive player in the league. And we just mentioned Jokic on the other side. He looks like the most unstoppable offensive player in the league. So one of these things is going to have to give. They're going to be guarding each other head to head. You would imagine they're going to be doing it at the end of the games in the biggest moments. That is going to be the key matchup in the players. Cause I think in the Western conference, Jokic offense, Davis defense have been the two most reliable things in the playoffs so far. That's definitely true. And it's, it's probably, you know, outside of Curry, been the been the most consistently performing thing uh, in the West. I guess Booker's offense as well, uh, but it's definitely it's definitely been up there. And I, I guess going a little bit with uh, Booker and KD, you know, it 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 was interesting <clears throat> that the antics that were pulled in this game, um, Jamal Murray grabbing Landry Shamit, yelling in his face, which you know I I kind of get, and then Dom standing in the huddle and. I'm not a huge fan of doing things to a, a, a veteran team. Uh, I think it's really hard to shake a veteran team off of what they're going to do. I mean, they did beat them, obviously. But like the Memphis Grizzlies can attest, you don't really want to mess with some vets. You don't really want to poke the bear. Um, and they went on a little run after that timeout. They weren't able to clutch it out. But it is interesting. Something to keep an eye on if the Nuggets make this personal and dirty <laughs> or at some point. This is this is honestly though good for the league that Katie and Booker that the Nuggets are going to beat Katie and Booker because eight games played in the regular season Durant only played eight games in the regular season for this Phoenix Suns team and there is still a world where they're able to get past this Nuggets team they're able to like this team is still a title contending team this team was still in the title conversation in these playoffs they're obviously not done yet it's 3-2 they could Duran Booker could even though it's going to be really tough if they go back to game 7 they could pull a series out who knows but just that kind of 
instantaneously being thrown together. And if it had actually worked and resulted in an NBA title, just like all, all hell breaks loose in the NBA at that point. It's like the peak sort of player empowerment thing that happens in the NBA that just like these teams can be team USA, throw them together last minute. And all of a sudden they're competing for and, and winning NBA titles. So the fact that they're going to potentially come up short this year, still, you know, in contention Durant and Booker, they had their games where they were battling, where they were high level Booker's playoff run is going to be one to remember from a shooting standpoint, but now they have to go into next year, play a full season together, be a real basketball team together. I, there's offseason stuff. There may be moves that are made, but Durant and Booker as the core of this team, at least now they have to go through an entire regular season together instead of just yeah. this sort of last minute patch together thing. It just it would have been bad for the league. You can't play eight games together and win the title. That's just not right. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with your point. Um, you know, when you look at stars who have been traded, it has been progressively worse. Um, you know, LeBron went from one team to the next and to the next when his contract was done. Uh, did he hold those teams hostage? You know, pretty much you know, sabotaging them, maybe. But, you know, at least he waited until his contract was done. Uh, KD to the Warriors. I think that was at the end of his contract. And then yeah, you have, you know, James Harden. Yeah, yeah, that was the end of his contract. Then you have James Harden pretty much wearing a fat suit, you know, to get out of Houston. Um, who knows? I we we know he he definitely he he added a couple pounds. I mean, you look at and then you look at those games. I mean, it was it was. I mean, it There's was photographic evidence. Starting to question. Yeah, I mean, it's like integ- questioning the integrity of the team of him, like to just throw games like that, you know. Uh, in some of those games, it was just bad. Uh, maybe we should check him for betting. And then you have Kyrie bouncing around um, and and uh, going, you know, going to the Nets. Ben Simmons as well. Him just not playing, just straight up not playing. I mean, that's just wild to think, you know, a player of his caliber yeah. is just just deciding not to play. And yeah. you know, there's been some back injuries, some mental health injury stuff uh, that has been mentioned, but. Uh, and then, and then this was kind of the climax, you know, Kyrie going in, he's saying out at the beginning of the year, Katie wants to get traded. Now he doesn't and it's back and forth. And then they do get what they want. And I think, I think the league has kind of straightened out. It's kind of gone to the way it should, you know, I may not believe in them, but the basketball gods have kind of straightened out. And you look at the teams that are succeeding, you know, the Heat have been together for several, several years, great chemistry there. Looking at uh, who else in the East? I don't know why I'm forgetting. 76ers, that team, that structure, I mean, they just added James Harden. But that structure has pretty much been built for, what, two, two three years now. Uh, they they made pretty much a, you know, a Eastern, you know, semifinal run with this team. One shot away from the conference finals. Celtics, we already know their history. Warriors, we know their history. Lakers, they've been together, you know, won a championship together. Um, and then the Nuggets, we already know. And, the, and so, and then this is the last case. So, and just looking at the drop for the Mavs, I mean, they were almost a sure shot to make the playoffs. What was it? 93%? Yeah. And drop to 2%. I mean, it's just wild. So, like you mentioned, it's definitely it's definitely great for the league and, that you know, that it got figured out. And, you know, the Suns probably, just because of the insane talent of Booker. I mean, Booker's been dragging this team, literally dragging this team to this point. 
Uh, I mean, in both of these series. So, especially now with Chris Paul out, it's definitely, I mean, he's been out already. They've won games without him, but with him being out, continuing to be out, that's got to take a toll at some point. And yeah, it's, I'm definitely happy that the league is training out and the teams that are together and been building together are winning. And you can see that chemistry with Jamal Murray and Jokic versus KD and his kind of stodgy, you know, ISO ball and Booker kind of doing his ISO ball stuff. And, um, you know, and you can see that, you know, even with DeAndre Ayton, they had problems mm-hmm. with him at the beginning of the year. They didn't know if they were going to bring him back. So, yeah, there's just so many examples of these teams who kind of had to do what they kind of had to do for the front office, but for the players making problematic locker rooms. And it's it's going to play out at some point. It's going to it's going to show up. So going back into the offseason, you brought up DeAndre Ayton. There was rumblings that they could have traded for Durant in the offseason, traded DeAndre Ayton. But at the time, you know, there were questions, is Ayton too much? What is ultimately the package going to be? The Suns, maybe we want to run, you know, that trade is going to be there later. Let's see what we have with this core. Fast forward to the trade deadline. They give up Bridges. They give up Johnson. They give up these wing defenders these shooters and Aiden, you know, he's a big man, number one overall pick, $30 million a year. He's potential, but I feel like this playoff series specifically, Jokic is an impossible task, but there is definitely some effort stuff with Aiden. There is definitely some of the rebounding stuff. He hasn't gotten to double digit rebounds in any of the games in this series. He is the center on this team. There's just some things that he has shown in this series that, Looking back, would that have been better for this team to move Aiton for Durant and keep Bridges and Johnson versus giving up all that wings, the depth, the shooting? And Bridges, I mean, Bridges, we can't say enough about what Bridges has done in Brooklyn, his upside. Maybe he doesn't emerge as this, but would you rather have those guys over Aiton in the playoffs? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I I think this goes a little bit back to our... Uh, NFL draft talk where we talk about, you know, running backs being traded, getting so high. And when you look at positional value, some of the best guys in the league are centers, but it's much easier to get a center in production from that in this league than it is to get quality wings, quality guards. And when you look at, or or not really guards, guards, there are a lot of guards, but quality wings, like the wing depth. Mm -hmm. And when you look at how their minutes and rotation has been going, Lawndale has been creeping up in minutes. He has been showing a little bit better fit, which is wild to say. But imagine if they kept Jalen Smith. They have Lawndale, so they have that depth. They trade a and you know, maybe throw in Cam Johnson to a couple picks. But having Mikael Bridges on this team would have just helped so much more in terms of his ceiling. Like we've seen, we see him. He can he can be a legitimate scorer. He can get hot. Him on the defensive side his consistency and how much he plays and no issues ever. I mean, you could really see that he really wanted to be on the team. He really loved the guys. He really mm-hmm. loved being in Phoenix and he, he really knows how to be part of his community. You know, shout out to him. He, I think he went out to the Bronx and you know, he did, he did a video with a TikToker. Mm-hmm. shout out uh, hockey way, yeah. uh, but he, he really, I mean, his consistency in playing, I mean, I think he, I mean, he registered like one minute in the final game to keep his, keep playing, but, you know what you're getting from him. And with Aiton, it's just so up and down. And his value, I, I think that's one thing all people kind of forgot with Aiton. His value kind of only matters with how much Chris Paul plays. 
because Chris Paul is the only player who kind of really uses him. Booker doesn't care who's in front of him. He's going to shoot over everyone. I mean, what was it? End of the third game, uh, third quarter, last game, he just, or no, that was at home where he was getting double teamed and he just drained a three. Like he's just so hot right now. It doesn't matter. So he, he doesn't care who's on him. He doesn't need to create a shot like Chris Paul. And now with Chris Paul injured, Chris Paul declining. So it is Aiden's play because he was the main guy who made him valuable. When you look at that playoff series, I mean, that's why he was playing so great because he was being put in these positions to succeed because he had the point guard on his team. And now you have uh, uh now you have an issue where, you know, Aiton, where Booker is expecting more out of Aiton and Aiton not getting the ball as much is not putting in as much effort. I mean, he wasn't what number one pick, right? Or number two. Yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah. So he's top three pick. And uh, he, he, of course, he wants his shots. And he thinks he's the guy. And um, not when you have Booker and KD on the team. So, like we mentioned, he hasn't – he's been talking a lot and he hasn't had the play back it up. And that compounded with Chris Paul being injured. His play just falling off a cliff this year is going to hurt his play. And, you know, I've got so much stock in Mikhail Bridges. So, you're completely right. And, you know, we're, we're seeing it right now where Booker and KD literally have to score 70 to 80 points for them to even win a game. And if, if the Suns lose and they head into the offseason, we're going to see the ramifications of them losing that depth because if you look at their salary cap, you look at the guys that they have on contract long-term, you just look at the number of guys. they have. There's some big question marks for this team headed into the offseason. Some moves might potentially have to be made. So this you know, may do it. Booker and Durant have been awesome. Booker has been shooting at an all-time level, but... It's going to be nearly impossible to stop Jokic, especially in a game seven. So, you know, I'm, I'm just glad they'll have to that. Like you said, they'll they'll get the playoff scars and they'll have to face the entire regular season to make the title run again next year because Durant's there long term. Booker's there long term. But we'll see if this core and the rest of this team is the team that they want to bring back in 2023, 2024. And we do have Sarver out of there. Um, so, you know, there we could see a different outlook on salaries. But, mm-hmm. you know, getting to a True. little bit of real life, uh, you know, a U.S. bankruptcy jo- judge just blocked a TV, new TV deal for the Suns. So that's less money they're expecting. And, you know, they're definitely going to be needing more money to pay for this team. Again, we mentioned this new CBA, but I, I think if that's going to have some serious effects. And, um, yeah, now you have Katie on your roster. You got all these egos. It's 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 definitely the 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 KD move was definitely uh uh definitely a spur of the moment kind of move. I think I think Matt Matt is the uh, the new owner. You know it, it makes sense. You when you have a chance to get a player like that, you do it. But you know it, they could have definitely taken some time figuring out the deal, and they're gonna have to take a real long hard look in the mirror because you know Chris Paul and Aiden's production has really dipped. And, you know, you can either do the Warriors model of having, you know, the top four guys and then you have decent players around them or you just have a deep team. But you can't have top two guys and no bench, you know, and Josh and Koji for a whole season. All, all of them. It's just, it, it won't work out. But we'll, we'll have to see. It's kind of sad, uh, you know, because Mikhail just wanted to be on the team so bad. Um, he definitely would have loved to play with KD. But alas, so the dice roll. Um, another team that's having a disappointing kind of playoff series here, the Celtics. He's mm. choke at home. 
to the 76ers. Uh, Philly up 3-2. Now a game away from making the first conference final since 2001. Wild. Wild today. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, it was just a bad game by the Celtics. They just got destroyed. Uh, I mean, 76ers were up 18 for a good chunk of that game. And especially that third quarter. I guess we can start on the on the 76ers side. I was really impressed by Embiid in this game. Uh, he had he had a great game, another great game. He's been over 30, I think, this series, besides his, the game he was out and the game he came back, uh, his first game after, so in the last game. And he had 33, three assists, seven rebounds, hit 10 of 11 from throws, and he had four blocks. And one of them with five minutes left. Um, I mean, he was hustling across the court, even though they were up 15. And I think people are mentioning that at the end of the year with him that he really wanted the MVP award. And that's why, I mean, he was just trying harder than Jokic to end of the season and, and won him the, the award. And I think we're seeing that translate into the playoffs. He knows he knows the resume. He knows what talking heads like us are talking about with him being injured every almost every playoff campaign. And now he's, uh, he's really turning it on and we'll, we'll have to see where it takes him. But, if he keeps playing like this, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if there's a team in the East that can really stop him. And this is the time in the series they needed Embiid to come through because the series was tied 2-2. It was all evened up. Embiid was not healthy for the initial part of the season, but they were they had still managed to get the series to a point where it was a best-of-three series and you've had the league MVP. He's returned. He had a game under his belt to get fully healthy. And the reason that they were in this position tied 2-2 is because James Harden has stepped into the fountain of youth. Of all of the playoff storylines, of all of the things that could have potentially come out of those playoffs, I didn't see like a James Harden playoff redemption path coming out of this playoffs. But in this series, he's put up two 40-point games. That's the first time in his career he's ever had 40 points twice in a playoff series. That's almost 30 playoff series for James Harden. He's been in conference finals. He's had deep playoff runs. The first time he's ever put up 40 points twice in a series is against this Boston Celtics. And it's incredible that his shooting and just the Celtics, they've shot themselves in the foot at the end of some of these games. The two games that they lost to the Sixers in the first part of the series were very close. It were hard-fought games. The Celtics were in position to win both of those games, but Harden hit big shots. He was scoring and getting to the line and just time and time again coming up big for the Sixers team. And now Embiid's back. He, in game four, first game back from injury, wasn't fully quite ready to be peak Embiid again, but now best of three series, peak Embiid. Like you said, he kind of was emerging in that game five and was able to propel them to the win and harden in that game as well. He, he was efficient. He only took eight shots because Maxi was going off, but he was four for eight, continued yeah. to play, make, continued to spread the ball around. So Harden has a Harden has put them in this position and they needed Embiid to be MVP Embiid. And this is exactly what they're getting. And now they're up three, two, but I did not see Harden carrying this team without Embiid as a potential storyline in this playoff. No, for real. And when you look at, I, I think the main thing with James Harden that's been different this year is that 
He's heard all the talk all his career. You know, he's heard people talking about him not showing up in the playoffs. You know, the players see everything. And he recognizes that, you know, this may be one of the last chances he gets a real run, a real shot at this, at being one of the main contributing players. And you can see after the first game, they're winning, you know, they win. And he tells them it's only one game. Calm down. It's nothing, nothing serious. He knows the history of the 76ers. Uh, he knows they haven't been to the playoff. They haven't been to the conference final in 2001, like we mentioned, literally the year I was born. And they're and they're they're going to have to prove themselves. So you know, it's definitely you can see this team definitely has a championship mindset right now. And when you look over at the Celtics, this 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 game was really indicative of some long term issues that this team has had. When you look at some of their really the coaching that has been an issue, they've had two rookie coaches in the last two years. And I think that really matters when you look, look at these late game structures, when you look at pretty much adjustments and the Celtics are so talented, they should be getting blown out in these games. Um, some people close to the team have mentioned that Will Hardy was a really big part of those in-game adjustments of making sure that they got everything out of every point. And we've seen what he's done with Utah and doing mm -hmm. too well over there. <laughs> Almost getting him out of the pick in serious contention. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But my main thing when watching this team is that you know outside of marcus and you know the team has shown and they, they've done the come to jesus moment in the playoffs they have been all yelling at each other things along those lines you know there's not really a team there's not really a a player on this team is nasty and is is willing to fight and get into a brawl and this is that kind of it's the playoffs i mean it's what's going to happen that's why the heat are winning and we'll definitely i'll bring up some stats later to show why i mean their hustle just matters so much but when you look at this team, you know, outside of maybe smart, there's not really players who are kind of like screw you, kind of get in a fight. And I got actually a little surprise for you. I got the FU rankings here for my players. Oh, so, what's so this? If you want to hear, it's a bit of guys you don't want to mess with, guys who just don't care. And who I just what is this across the league? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely players from this past year. Um, we're definitely going okay. to these playoffs. But players who have like almost an arrogance about them, like are we for real in this, who have a sense of pride. And I think that's the Celtics, something they haven't had. is really like, you know, Tatum can be lackadaisical and Jalen Brown is low-key beefing with the whole team. And, you know, he got into all NBA, so he'll probably come back. But um, he definitely has seen to, you know, really not be super invested. But going into a little bit of rankings of players who are still talented, but have an arrogance, have that nastiness in them. And, you know, we could put the whole Heat roster here. But number one has to be Giannis. He doesn't care. He's going to dunk on you. Yeah, I think I think he just – definitely he didn't show it in this playoffs, but he, mm -hmm. he's just done too much to not be number one. Number two got to be Draymond. I, I think mm -hmm. Draymond, he doesn't – he really doesn't – he he's got to curb stomp you. He doesn't care. His defense, he's very physical. And you try to test him. He's, he's going he's gonna to bite back, whether it be on the court or on his podcast. And really, the one who's risen really fast in these rankings is Booker. And that's because his on-court talk has matched his on-court play now. Last year, talking all that smack to Doncic. And then, you know, and Doncic showed him, you know, who, who who's the dad. And now this game, this series, going alpha male, you can see, I mean, just the hustle he puts in. And just like, he's just, he's just mad. And, you know, obviously, you don't want uncontrollable play. But... You gotta you gotta go to an extra notch. It's the playoffs. Um going to number five here, I got or number four. We got Chris Paul. 
I think Chris Paul gets all those ticky tack fouls. Um, I think I think he's 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 sneaky. Like he's he's gonna mess with you. Yeah, he loves playing mind games, and you know he's he's someone who's had to play. He's had to deal with the IQ part of the game more than you know. He's he's had to be the smartest player on the court because he is one of the smallest. Um, so he has to make up for that. It's just how basketball is. And uh, number five is Jamal Murray. Uh, good to see him healthy, but you could see it him yelling at Shamit, him and just his attitude. He's he's definitely the nasty guy on the team. Uh, you know, Michael Porter can be a nice guy. Jokic, you know, we we've seen a little bit more from him this series, but kind of get pushed around. And of course, the dishonorable mention has to be Dylan Brooks. Um, has to be mentioned here. Um, Shout out Shanghai just because Shark. it. Yeah, I know because just because I mean it definitely wasn't his play, but just the amount of smack talk he had had to throw it somewhere on the list. But is there anyone else you can think of? But you know, it, it, I think it is a real problem for the Celtics is they don't really have someone to push back besides Martin, and he really doesn't do it that much. They don't really have that sense of pride. You know, you think it's another young team, and it's kind of showing, especially with them not really having a foundation of offense. Um, no, I'm gonna let you. Talk here for a second, but also Jalen Marcus Smart mentioning last week most of their offense is random. So you know they they just don't have a foundation to fall back on. They don't have you know too much of a backbone. They but they found ways to win, and I love them. But it's definitely seemed like a long term problem that I don't I don't know how they fix. And this is the other thing that Harden has done in this series. It's happened to the Celtics before. Harden has he shot the ball well, but he's controlled the pace of these games. These games have slowed down defensive games in the half court. Just the Sixers are playing at the speed in the half court that they want to play. And that's now time and time again for the Celtics. I mean, Tatum's a young guy. He's still evolving as a superstar. But this is like this season and the finals. This is like the first years of peak Tatum that we've gotten. Tatum as like a fully formed he can do everything on the basketball court he wants. He has all the skills in his bag. These are like the first seasons we've gotten of that version of Tatum. And this is now sort of his last evolution as a superstar is to just overcome these other stars in the league, to be the alpha guy on the court. I In the finals last year, yeah, it was Steph. Steph was awesome. His shooting was incredible. But Draymond set the pace of that series with his defense he set the tone. He came out and he just like he punked all these Celtics guys, these young guys in the league. And it's kind of happening again here with Harden. Harden is slowing these games down and Bede was able to be dominant in this last game. But this is the last thing that Tatum needs to overcome as a superstar. Offensively, he can get any shot he wants when he wants to defensively. He can guard anybody in the league. He can at least hang stay in front of, put a body in front of anybody in the league, but he needs to be the one that controls the pace of this series. And I just, the thing is, I don't know what Tatum's pace is because it's, he's never really done that as a player in the league. He's always been an incredible shot maker. He's always been, you know, he's added playmaking. His defense has been high level, but I don't know if he's ever really controlled the pace of any stretch of basketball for like, you know, multiple games, a playoff series, a stretch in the regular season. He's just always matched his competition, always been able to go toe to toe with anybody. And he, you know, he was in the finals last year. He's proven that he's one of the most talented guys, but his last step as a star is 
I'm the top guy on the court. I control the pace. I set the tone of the basketball that's being played. Great, great point. Because I think, you know, that that's why he's probably, it, he has been my favorite player is because despite him not really controlling the game and doing, you know, really controlling the pace, being able to find his shot, you know, he has been one of the top players in the league. He has been consistent taking this team to the finals. And like you mentioned, that's the last piece. I mean, once he adds that, that's really what sets people apart. Being able to play at your own pace, um, find the holes. And, you know, he hasn't, outside of the seven-point game, he has been pretty consistent in the series, uh, averaging 26 for 5 and 11. So, you know, he's, he's been uh, he's been okay. But it just, the, the, the 76ers are definitely beating them mentally. And the Celtics, that's something that's ha- plagued them these last couple of years with the Warriors getting knocked out with the Heat, um, which is probably who they're playing. And it's 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 going to be interesting to see how they how they adjust and what 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 adjustments they can make because it seems like they can't keep a coach and you know trust in Missoula is fading and um, you know they can only run back this team so many times and it looks like they I mean they probably will regardless of what happens in the series but um, it seems like we're getting the same old tale while Embiid is reaching another level right now. And in the playoffs last year, if Jimmy Butler just goes to the rim and gets a layup on that last possession instead of shooting a three, you know, who knows what the story is for the Heat in the finals? Who knows how that game seven turns out? So there's a world where they once again, you know, alpha dog Jimmy Butler comes in. That defense, that series last year against the Heat was a slowed down defensive, grinded out series. That series, the Heat set the tone of Jimmy Butler and bam and their defense the heat just came up short at the end butler missed the shot they had a chance to win it and it just it didn't happen for him but there is you know over this run that's been the thing that has gotten them time and time again and in this playoffs harden and Embiid, it was able to slow them down once again and tatum like you said his shot making has been there have been stretches in these games in you know the second half of I think was a game three or game four. He was just incredible. He was awesome, but you know, it just, he needs to be the top guy. He needs to dictate what is going on in the basketball court. And he needs to find that who knows if Missoula is able to pull that out of him. It seemed like that was what Udoka was there for. So, you know, long-term that's going to be the issue for this team. But once again, that's the thing that causes them to come up short. Yeah, and it's tough. It is tough because he's no longer 19. I mean, we need to we need to start seeing some stuff here. But moving on to the team, the series that you did mention, uh, Knicks Heat game is going on right now. Knicks had a pretty sizable lead, um, but the Knicks have or my Heat have brought it down to 11. So who knows um, if they can get it done? It's it's definitely seems a little back and forth. Nine minutes left, so we'll keep an eye on it. But looking at the past games, the Heat definitely. I've just been, you know, out machoing the the Knicks. And they definitely I mean, when you look at their hustle and what they've been doing, it's 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 definitely uh you you can see it's consistent across the board that they're definitely they're playing like a eight seed should to win the games. Um shout out to Kirk Goldsberry with uh with an article today about the heat culture. And when you look at the stats, you know, they have the most deflections in the playoffs at seventeen point seven. Uh, next closest is Celtics at 14. Uh, they're number one in loose balls recovered at 6.9. Uh, 
They draw the most charges per game at 1.67. Next closest is the Warriors at 0.9, so almost twice as much as any other team. And the most green assists in the league, 12.4. You know, that's when they have an assist that leads to an open bucket. And they're adding almost 30 points to their offense, you know, helping them go from a 25, pretty much bottom feeder offense in the regular season, only better than Magic, Rockets, Pistons, Spurs, and Hornets, to now fourth, only behind Boston, who's loaded, as we know, uh, Phoenix with their superstars playing out of their minds in Denver, which we've already spoken about. So when you look at the Heat, you know, they've only lost two games this playoffs. Uh, one was with Butler out. The other one was them getting blown out on the road against the number one team. And it, it's, it's just, I think the play, it's a story of the playoffs, just how good the Heat are and that they could actually pretty, I mean, we could definitely see them in the playoff or in the finals. I think that's a real possibility that people got to start taking it serious. I mean, I think it's a real possibility that Jimmy Butler might be the guy you want most on your team in the East. Like that's kind of what's happening. That's kind of what's unfolding here in these playoffs because heat culture is going to get the credit. Heat culture has always been the thing there in Miami. It's always Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, what they've established, obviously, they are top notch at their jobs. There's a reason they've been there for so long, but the energy of this team, it's Jimmy Butler culture. He sets the tone and the game that they lost to the Knicks, the Knicks were able to, there was a physicality to the Knicks in that game. They bully balled them. They out rebound them at the end of the game. There was just Jimmy Butler was not there to provide that toughness because even in the game before that game one, he had 11 rebounds. He was high energy, hustling, getting the boards. He sets the tone for this team, and it's Jimmy Butler culture. It's not Heat culture, and he has been the one that is, you know, he put away Giannis in the first round. He's going to pretty much put away this Knicks team. I know the Knicks might get the win tonight. You know, they, they're they closing in. They've closed it to seven now. They may close out the Knicks in MSG tonight. Who knows? But they're going to get him in this series. They're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And Butler setting the tone for this team might be the most reliable thing in the playoffs. And Bede's the MVP. Him and Tatum, they got to battle it out still. That's going to be a close series. But Butler now is establishing himself with some pedigree that is, you know, almost unmatched here in the Eastern Conference the last four years. For sure. And he's definitely one of the best, if not the best, playoff performer when you compare it to his regular season stats. Um, he, I mean, again, he's shown that he, when you have him on your team, you can guarantee almost a conference semifinal, maybe even a conference finals. I mean, they should have made it that one year with the 76ers. And so, obviously, he culture is going to get a lot of the credit, but Jimmy Butler is someone people shouldn't. You know, discount. And I think he has been discounted because of his play in the regular season. I think he's been rightfully discounted. I, you know, you have the 25th worst roster in the in, in the league. You barely make it into the playoffs. Like, I get there are legitimate reasons why to discount the Heat. But the way he's turned it around, the way he's made this team into, you know, a real contender, the way Lowry has kind of revived his play as well. He looks kind of serious, you know. And the most interesting one is Kevin Love. The, the Cavs kind of just throw him off the team. You know, he's kind of like, oh, you're the old guy. Get out of here. And him on this team, he's he's really, I mean, he's shown his skill set. Uh, being Doing those outlet passes, you know, I mean, maybe, I don't know if this, I don't know if we've mentioned this already. I think we did. 
But, you know, maybe the Packers have the wrong love. And when you look at the other side with the Knicks, kind of same old, same old story for what should be their main player, their superstar with Julius Randle. He just falls apart every year, and this year is no different. I mean, actually, everything down across the board. Regular season went 25, 10, and 4, 45, 34, 75, 34%, 45 from the field, 34 from three, and 75 from free throw. But this whole playoff, the whole playoffs, eight games, he's missed. I think he missed one game due to injury. He's been averaging 15 points. I mean, a drop of 10 points, 15.9. So you can give him that extra. So the drop of nine points, uh, averaging eight rebounds. So drop again. And then three and a half assists, you know, cookie cutter, you know, he can get close. But again, from the field, 37.5% during the playoffs, uh, regular season 45 and what one of the biggest issues also with this game, three-point shooting in the playoffs, 23%. That's almost that's 9% worse. Uh, free throw as well, 6% down, 69.4. Nice. So, when, I mean, he has had only two less attempts from the field, but, I mean, this is not the first time, and it isn't going to be the last. Julius Randle is just a bad playoff performer. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a questionable thing, and I, I think it's just a fact, and – you know, if you really want to rumble with the big teams in the East, I mean, you know, we didn't consider the Heat a big team. But, you know, looking to the future, you're still going to have to deal with Philly. You're still going to have to deal with Boston. The Bucks aren't going anywhere. And so mm-hmm. when you really want to push past one of those guys, you know, and push past against just Jimmy Butler on his own, because apparently he's a big enough superstar on his own, you know, having your guy consistently fall apart like this, you know, makes you really – you know, should you trade him? And we know Stephen A mentioned he he vomited watching him last night. So definitely, I'm not the only one on this train. But he definitely, it's it, this is another horrible year by uh by Julius Randle. And the guys right now that have the lowest active field goal percentage in their playoff careers, Damian Lee at 32 percent, Ish Smith at 32.6. Quickly, Randall's teammate at 33.3, Garrett Temple at 33.8%, and then Randall, top five lowest active field goal percentage at 34.1%. And it's just a couple of playoff series now for Randall. It's time and time again when there's, on the other side, just another like alpha-type player, a player that carries themselves with some confidence, where uh, Trey Young comes in last year, confident on the other side, hasn't necessarily had the most successful career outside of that playoff series as well. Comes in, steps on Randall, eliminates them. Randall doesn't play well. And this year too, Randall has Brunson. Brunson has been like phenomenal in these phenomenal in these playoffs. Tonight he's got 35 as well. Like he's just been a playoff guy. He's solidified himself this year as a playoff guy. And Randall Playing with him, the fact that that is not elevating his game, the fact that that has not made it easier for him to get buckets, the fact that that has not instilled him with more confidence, the fact that Brunson is not affecting Randall in a positive way to me in the playoffs, to me is kind of a glaring red flag with Randall because Brunson is a playoff guy. He's a guy that is carried this team. He's a guy that's made this offense hum and. The one game that Randall was able to squeak out and win was the game when Jimmy Butler was out. Otherwise, Randall has just been inferior to the other stars on the court in his playoff career. And I mean, he's on the verge of getting eliminated on his home court again tonight. Brunson, hopefully he's able to save. I mean, Randall's field goal percentage is going to go up a little bit because 
He's six for 12. He is 50% from the field tonight, but he's also got a history. Like we said, leading up to this point, he's less than 35% from his career. One of the five worst guys in the league right now. So I don't know how, if this is his playoff resume with the Knicks, with Brunson, I don't know how you can get run a guy like this back with this team next year. Oh, for real. I, I really don't. Especially when you have someone like Jalen Brunson who just needs some help. I mean, he just needs another scorer with him. He, you found your legit guy. You know, everyone was laughing at you for bringing him in. But you you found your you found him. And, you know, it, it, it's just wild. I mean, he dropped he's dropping 10 points. He's scoring 10 less points per game. Like, and that's eight games. Like that, that's wild. You, you just, and it, and it just shows, you know, he does when teams are focused on him, when they have him scheduled uh, or circled on the sheet, when they have time to look at him, it is easier for them to guard him. And he doesn't have really a lot of levels to his game. He's kind of, you know, kind of a one trick pony, but you know, he hasn't shown that elite level shot making to make up for that. And so he's definitely a regular season player. And, you know, when you look at the future of this team, you know, you're you're looking at who can you, how can you upgrade, you know, going to that conference semifinal. And he's definitely going to be the one who people, I think, are going to call for out being out. You know, New York can be brutal. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you're paying him. All right, let's see here. what What is his contract? Because I know they just re-upped it. And um, is he on an extension right and, now? Uh, let's see here. So. Oh, okay. So he he just got he did no, he signed a new deal in twenty twenty one. Uh oh yeah, it was an extension. You're right, you're right. It is an extension. Four years, hundred and seventeen million. So it I mean, it is a pretty friendly deal for him in the regular season, twenty five million, twenty seven or twenty five next year, twenty seven in twenty twenty five. And then or yeah, twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, and then the year after a player option for twenty nine million the player option at 31. So, I mean, it, that's not a horrible contract, um, you know, that it doesn't break 30, but you know, it is, it is a significant piece. If you can put in um, quickly, maybe you can throw in some other pieces and picks. You can definitely get a star with that. And I think they should really consider that because, you know, when, when you start winning series, expectations come along with that. And we already know New York, the Knicks, the spotlight is brightest on you and pretty much in you know, almost the whole league, you know, just, just for the sake of the league. I mean, it's best when the Knicks are playing well and they just got to, they, they, this team's got to figure it out, but at least they have some semblance of being good. At least, you know, some semblance, but Randall is definitely a player who's got to go. And Barrett in this playoffs too, has shot better. His field goal percentage is good. There are other guys on this Knicks teams that have stepped up, performed. I mean, Barrett has not necessarily turned into like elite playoff scorer, but he's been more efficient. He's getting 20 points a game. And if Randall's deal is team friendly, they should use that to his advantage on the market, trying to trade him this offseason because they just need somebody in the playoffs to consistently hit shots because this guy is your number two guy. You're calling on this guy time and time and time and time again to get buckets in fourth quarters in big moments for you. And just his field goal percentage for his playoff career has been too low. It's not what you want from your number two option. So the fact that Brunson has emerged as one of these guys, I think you I think you need to do something different with Randall. I think Randall has and it maybe 
maybe if they bring in another guy and Randall now gets bumped to your number three, you know, maybe we have to relook at Randall on this team and see what that means. But Randall's role on this team needs to be changed in some way because he has shown that in the playoffs, he's just too inconsistent to be relied on this much. Yeah, and I mean, we're watching the game right now. He and Knicks and Jalen Brunson has taken over these last couple of possessions. He's the only thing keeping them in this game. They've gotten only six points from their bench. Uh, he'd have gotten 42. So, you know, it's very clear that the whole weight of the team is kind of on Jalen Brunson, which is kind of sad to say, you know, RJ Barrett helping out a little bit. And he needs he needs some help. He needs some help. Um, Randall right now has the lowest minutes of all the starters played tonight. Barrett at 34. I guess, well, Mitchell Robinson at 24. But Barrett's 34 minutes. Brunson, 44. Quentin Grimes, 44. Randall only at 32 minutes. He's not even getting the run that the other guys are getting. I mean, that just shows you what Thibodeau thinks. That shows you what the coaching staff thinks. And Brunson, I mean, he continues to pour on. He's up to 38. Like you said, he's in takeover mode. Yeah, even though he just is a free throw. But yeah, especially for Thibodeau, who's notorious for playing his superstar a lot. Notorious for playing his starting five, you know, almost 40 minutes. And him giving that few minutes to Randall is a sign. I mean, 30 may not seem that well. I mean, you know, during the regular season that seems what uh, Giannis almost averages. But, you know, it's definitely it's, it's definitely a worrying trend for Randall and, you know, you try to trade him while you still can. He's had his peak. He's shown, I think, pretty much all he has to offer. And, uh, you know, it was a fun run. But, you know, it got to end at some time, I guess. So, uh, but, but, yeah, a player who isn't going to sneak over the Atlantic Ocean, Victor Wambanyama. He's he's coming over and coming to town, coming to the league. Been the main attraction for – been one of the biggest talking pieces for even NBA talk, let alone college slash non-NBA players. And, you know, it was kind of funny. There was a clip going around where there was this, I think it was like this really short guy. And he just fouled Victor as soon as he got the ball. Like, I'm not dealing with all that. Yeah. But we've seen the clips. We've seen all that. And, um, Rem, make the pitch. You guys are top three in uh, lottery uh, lottery chances. Look at your two teams uh, having chances at, at, at decent lottery picks this year uh, in football and basketball. And now, so make, make the pitch. Why should... Victor Wambanyama, come on down to San Antonio. Well, I mean, I don't know if I can influence what's going to happen. The ping pong balls fall at random. It's a completely random process. Everybody, there's the odds. The Spurs have the same odds as the Pistons and the Rockets. But the, the ping pong balls do have a way of falling in an order that just seems to work. I mean, if you go back to last year, and you look at how they fell. I mean, we knew the Thunder were going to take Chet. That was kind of obvious the entire draft process. They didn't need to be number one overall. Put him at two. We know Chet's going to go two. The Magic were kind of in a pos- perfect position to add a star player. They had Franz. They had Suggs. They have young guys. Wendell Carter that showed potential. And you give them the number one pick. You let them pick what star they want, what franchise guy piece they want to add they pick banker and the rockets put him at three they were kind of undecided the whole time on the guys anyways and they end up with jabari smith the ping pong balls just fell in a way that was beneficial to everybody worked out for the league and 
the Spurs just seem like the team that if Wam Banyana is going to go to a franchise and the league wants to pick the perfect franchise for him to go to, the Spurs just kind of hit all the checkpoints that you want a franchise to have when it comes to having a star player because the Spurs have just been a consistently great team now for almost four decades. Since 1980, the Spurs are tied with the Lakers for the most wins since 1980. 40 years of basketball, the Spurs and the Lakers are the two most winning teams. They've won 60% of their games. And I mean, that's that's the Lakers with Kareem, Magic, Worthy. I That's the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. That's the LeBron Lakers now. That's They have more wins than the Celtics with Bird and Pierce and those runs and now with Tatum and the Warriors would dream. I the Spurs are the model of consistency in the NBA. This is the modern NBA we're talking about as well. 1980, Bird and Magic are in the league at that point. The league is starting to, from a popularity standpoint as well, form into what it becomes today. MJ follows soon in 1984. And since 2000, they have the highest winning percentage, most playoff appearance appearances second most playoff series wins they have the second most titles as well with four since 2000 they have the longest streak of active playoff appearances if Wambanyana goes to this team they're just going to consistently able to compete if he's there the organization has proven that it's a winning organization and they're going to find pieces to put around Wambanyana they're going to maximize the other draft picks that they have because, you know, the early 90s, the early 2000s, they get Parker, they get Duncan, they get Ginobili. Those are all great draft picks. But even the last 10 years, the guys that they've picked, guys like Kyle Anderson, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, I, who just came through in the clutch for the Lakers, these are all guys that are contributing on playoff teams, guys that are. Derek White was in the finals last year. Kyle Anderson has been in the playoffs and on the Grizzlies, the number two seed, you know, time and time again on these contending teams, they just are able to find and draft guys that produce and they do it in the back of the first round. They're not even picking like these lottery type talents as well every year. And coach pop is just hands down the best handler of these international prospects that we've seen. He's had Duncan, he's had Ginobili, he's had Parker. When they won the finals in 14, I mean, most of the guys on that team were not from the U.S. They were international guys, Patty Mills, you know, the just, I think Danny Green and Kawhi were basically the two USA guys in that rotation. Boris Diaw, shout out to that team. But Pop has proven that he can work with these guys. This organization is going to consistently put a winning team around him and just other teams with the odds to do uh, the Pistons. They just won the lottery, you know, two years ago, the magic just won last year to, for them to win the lottery this close, you know, twice in a row would be unprecedented. And the Rockets are the other team with the top odds. And I just don't see a world where Tillman Fertitta wins a lottery as an owner anytime soon. Plus they just hire Udoka as well. Controversial head coaching higher. There's been rumblings that Harden might make a return. It just, that could be a chaotic situation to put Wambanyana into. The Spurs are going to be stable. 
they're going to strive to win. They're going to compete. They're going to maximize the talent that they put around Wambanyana. This organization is hands down the best organization for Wambanyana to go to. And if the ping pong balls want to treat Wambanyana with kindness, they will send him to the San Antonio Spurs because the lottery is less than a week away. When next time, by the next time we record, we will know where Victor Wambanyana will be playing NBA basketball. The lottery will have taken place. We know he's going to go number one overall. We know which team Victor Wambanyana will be starting his NBA career with. And if they want, if the ping pong balls want to do him right, it will be the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. And first of all, great presentation. You know, it really almost convinced me to come play with y'all. Um, but when you, I mean, definitely, like you mentioned, San Antonio is definitely going to be the most stable out of the top four, maybe five teams. Um, I think once you get into Orlando, Indiana, you know, I, I think, you know, those teams definitely, that'd be some interesting talent, you know, with Van Benyama down in Florida and with the Magic, with Paolo, um, they get two number one picks, I think two, yeah, they did last year, yeah, two and two and two years. Yeah. I highly doubt it, but um, I, you know, maybe Portland. Finally, the, the like we mentioned earlier, the basketball gods finally reward Dame for not leaving his team. Who knows? That was always interesting. I know one of the most interesting what-ifs for me was the year Zion came out and the Hawks were top five in the lottery. And I was just, just hoping so much he could go play with Trey Young because that would <laughs> – I mean, that's just – watching that kind of bad. Now, Trey Young is a mess. We, we know both guys have – not had as good, you know, as good careers as they projected, but that's definitely, definitely a little bit of a, definitely a fever dream. So when you look at, uh, yeah, I mean, for you guys, top three, I mean, for sure, you guys should get that pick. Well, we'll have to see. And when you look at this draft, kind of falls off after those top two guys, um, mm-hmm. comps for Wambanyama, 7-4 KD, bigger, better, uh, crit, or Kevin, why am I forgetting his last name? Golly, KP, Timberwolves Center. Uh, Towns? Am I? No, not not Towns. Oh, uh, no. Oh, Porzingis? it's not KG. Oh, KP. Oh, I'm wild. Uh, Porzingis. Yeah. There you go. Forgetting my initials. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, bigger, better. Uh, Porzingis. So that's interesting. And then Scoot Henderson compared to a prime Westbrook or CP3. That's very two different players. But, um, but then after that, you know, it's. Guys, compared to, you know, Rudy Gay, Danny Granger, uh, four, Sean Levinson, five, Paul Millsap, and six, you're going into, like, Antoine Jameson, stuff like that. So, it's definitely a little bit, of, it's definitely a top-heavy draft. Wambanyama uh, is definitely in the running for best prospect since Zion, since LeBron. Um, just what he can do on the court, just his play. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to be really anticipated. I think this will be one of the most important draft lotteries in a long time yeah you know it definitely in the last couple of years because you already know that whoever gets the number one pick you know could get potentially 300 million more dollars added in value to their franchise um is what's been projected so it's it, it just means so much uh to the league and it, well i mean it is going to mean a lot to the league and it's going to mean a lot to whatever team gets them and it's, it's I'm definitely going to be watching draft lottery. It's, it's we got to see how these ping pong balls fall. Well, it's going to be definitely one of, one of the first ones I'm watching in a while. 
And that's why the basketball karma is so important here because this is such a high stakes lottery. Wambanyana is on the line. The Spurs have put up that basketball karma. They have, I think they've tanked the right way. They've always tried to be a competitive organization. They've won as much as possible. And even this year, young guys developing the roster. The defense was just, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league. You can kind of hide behind that all season when it comes to the win-loss record. And now all of a sudden, boom, you're in the top three. They've reworked the lottery odds now, so you don't have to fully tank all the way out to number one. You just have to be in that top three to get a equal odds at the number one pick. So they've just kind of organically naturally found themselves in the, in this position to get this spot. So I feel like they have genuinely put out the most good basketball karma of any of these top organizations. The one team that does scare me. And if I was going to just rank the other teams that I thought could act or actually going to win the NBA draft lottery, the blazers are a scary team because they have the fifth best odds and Dame being loyal to that team, despite the fact that the team has just never really been able to give him another star teammate. LaMarcus Aldridge is the, is the only teammate he's played with his time in Portland that has made the all-star game. That has been like, you know, an all-star all NBA type guy. Aldridge is a fine player, but he's not, you know, he was never like number two on a title team for a significant stretch of his career. And other than that, you know, no other guy that Dame has played with has averaged 20 points a game for his Blazers career. McCollum was 19 points a game. Wes Matthews is third at 15 points a game. Nurkic at fourth at 14 points a game. And Dame's fifth highest scoring teammate of his career, if we were doing starting five of Dame's teammates, 35-year-old Carmelo Anthony is in there at 14.3 points a game. Dame has just never really had that other star. And I think repaying that goodwill with the fact that they have, you know, a couple other young pieces there as well. Simons was an interesting young piece this year. He really emerged as a guy that you give him a bigger role. He can still produce in an efficient way. Shaden Sharp showed flashes as just a two-way athlete slasher wing player. And add Wimbanyana to that group. Game and Wimbanyana next year is like an interesting duo in the Western Conference. The ceiling of that team, who knows what kind of playoff push that could make. And to finally give Dame a real genuine star player to play with, that scares me the most of all these other basketball karma things out there. Yeah, they'll definitely be a strong contender for player of the year or team of the year next year. Um, that will follow because when you look at that roster, if they have Victor, so they'd have Dame, Amphrey Simons, Jeremy Grant, probably Nurkic and Wambanyama, and then, you know, either. Matisse Thibel or Shaden Sharp, one of the two, probably Thibel. And you look at their bench. Uh, you have Cam Reddish, Keon Johnson. Uh, Kevin Knox is supposed to be good. You know, maybe he can prove himself. It's definitely a last chance saloon for him. And then, you know, Eubanks has shown to be a solid player. Um, and, you know, they, their depth obviously gets shaky after that. But um, I know Keon Johnson had some interesting moments there at the end of the year. But, uh, yeah, no, they're definitely – They'll have a lot of talent. They do have talent. It's just this year didn't work out for them. Um, the defense was kind of atrocious. But having another year to develop and you add one Banyama 
you know, maybe they can sneak into the playoffs and maybe upset some teams. Don't don't give Dame a chance. We'll have to see. Also, shout out to the Knicks for clutching out the win. They're still in the playoffs. They're still in. Series is now 3-2. And, you know, quick analysis. I mean, I just saw he weren't really hitting to their threes. Uh, you know, Knicks hustled a little bit more there at the end, but we'll have to see. I don't I don't think this game is this series is going to seven and they'll probably wrap it up at home. But to bring it back to Wambadiana real quick, the only other team that I'm actually worried about to actually win the lottery, to actually get the number one pick, because again, the the, the order, the top four is determined, but the number one pick is the one that's really gonna matter. A team could jump into the top four, have a big jump in the lottery, but not necessarily, you know, get the number one pick. We want the number one pick with Victor Wambinana is the prize. The only other team that I think is going to win the lottery, I think it's going to be Spurs. I think it's going to be Blazers. Or I think it's going to be the Pacers. Their franchise has been in a similar position as the Spurs. They haven't had the titles, haven't had the high-end success, but they've always been a franchise that has prioritized winning over tanking. They have not been necessarily a powerhouse, but... They have only won third. They have only won less than thirty games in a season one time since nineteen ninety, and that was actually last season, the 2021-2022 season. Even this season, they were able to get to thirty-five wins. And if you pair Wembenyama with, you know, you could pair him with Dame in Portland, pair him with an older superstar, pair him with a guy who's ready to win a title now, or you pair him in Indiana with Tyrese Halliburton one of the best young offensive stars in the league. He would have a point guard to play with for a decade who could, you know, great shooter, great playmaker, a 20 and 10 guy. And now all of a sudden, Victor Wambanyana, you know, the offense is a lot easier for him to get adjusted to. He has this point guard who can set him up into all these different ways and just would be like the perfect teammate and just this crazy offensive duo down in Indiana. So, like the Pistons, again, they just won in 21. The Magic won last year. The Rockets, I just think that that's a controversial. Maybe they get the number two pick. Maybe they get number three. But I don't think the Rockets are going to get number one. And I, the Hornets, you know, figure out who your owner is going to be. Figure out if LaMelo is going to be there long term. I think there's some big picture questions hanging over that franchise that need answered. I think he's going to be on the Spurs, the Blazers, or the Pacers. But we'll see the ping pong balls. Again, it's totally random. The league is not freezing the envelopes. The league is not rigging this for anybody. And we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's the Spurs. I'm We're a week away from Anthony Richardson on the Colts, Victor Wambanyana on the Spurs. It's going to be a heart, heart-pounding week, counting down to the draft lottery. Yeah, where would you rank this for sports moments for your teams? This... The Spurs winning the lottery would be, it would be up there. I mean, the Spurs won the title in 2014. The Colts won the Super Bowl in 2007. The luck pick was nice. The Anthony Richardson pick was a great moment in the history of Colts fandom. I think getting a guy with that kind of upside is just, it was exciting to be in the moment. It was just an exciting thing to happen, but this is definitely going to be up there. I don't know if it tops winning a title. Winning a title is the ultimate goal, but we'll we'll see. Maybe I'll do a ranking next week if it actually happens. Trying to figure out where to put it because just as a star, 
I don't know if there's been another star in another league that has just looked and just been more intriguing than a prospect. And win. I mean, even Mahomes coming out was the what the tenth pick in the draft, the fifteenth pick in the draft. Like he wasn't yeah. the number <laughs> one guy. He wasn't the team that everybody was just going, "Hey, this guy is just the most insane quarterback prospect that we've ever seen." The arm angles, the athleticism, the throwing on the run. Like he just wasn't built as that coming out of college. So. Steph, you know, these other guys, Wambanyana, the hype around him, the potential of landing him on your franchise. It's just, it, it's going to be a top moment. And I just knock, I'm going to knock on wood. Don't want to jinx anything, but the potential here is, you know, it's would be ground. It would be a ground shaking moment. It would be one of the most impactful moments for sure of any sports fandom across any team. No, you're you're totally right, and um, that that'd be wild. Revitalize the Spurs down there, and I know it's very improbable. Um, you know, Orlando's probably not going to get two number one picks in two years, but when you look at their roster, if they did, if there was some crazy world where they did, we know they won't. Rem's shaking his head right now, There's but no. the insane amount of height and youth this team would have. Uh, you you have Markel Folds. You can trade him out with Suggs if needed. Gary Harris. You got Franz Wagner. You got Paolo. And then you got Wambanyama at the five. I mean, you know, just ridiculous starting five. And now you're moving Wendell Carter to the bench. Uh, you have Suggs. You have Anthony. You have you Wendell Carter. And then, you know, John Isaac. I, I'm not 100% sure what's going on with him. He's still under contract. Not sure why they don't have him on this ESPN roster, but you know, that's four solid players off the bench. I'm just saying, it's it's it's, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. It's not going to happen. We know it's not going to happen. But, you know, it, I would probably put it up there, you know, top two, top three cores in the league. I mean, that's just bananas, you know, what that would be. They're insane size. All of them could shoot. Insane basketball IQ. But I'll get off my soapbox and allow Rem to get on his about Frisbee. We're I think we're actually doing it. Actually talking about it, the moment I've been waiting for. Looked like you were balling out. You were kind of in good hands. I can attest. And uh, Rem, I think, dropped like two passes. And those were like really hard passes to catch and probably way out of his uh, range because it wasn't a great throw. So, Rem, you know, what what, what were your thoughts? What? How did you think? What did you think of it? The only other time I've played ultimate frisbee is like way back in the day you know summer camps as a kid you're running around the activities but like serious real ultimate frisbee it's a mix of football it's a mix of soccer but it's football if you have to play both offense and defense the cardio level to play ultimate frisbee is the most intense that i've played dabble you know a little bit of basketball a little bit of football we're not saying we're doing too much crazy sports over here but of all of the ones that i've tried the cardio level for ultimate frisbee you have to be in insane shape you're running up and down the field both ways because it is football where you have to run the routes you have to get open there's the handlers that kind of stay back and act as the quarterbacks the other guys they run out and act as receivers i mean that's how you push the frisbee down the field that's how you move toward the goal. And you can drop the Frisbee at any moment. All of a sudden, you're running back on defense. And it's just, you know, if Jamar Chase had to be a wide receiver and a corner, 
the cardio, the, just it's it takes a lot. It was insane, and there's some the complexities and the nuances of the sport. Obviously, I'm gonna be behind on. I'm gonna have to catch up on. I feel like there are some advanced players out there. Some things, some 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 stuff was going over my head. Some concepts were going over my head for sure. But just getting to be on the field, seeing how it goes, seeing how it's played, it's incredibly fun. It's incredibly challenging. And shout out to anybody that has done it for a season. Oh, wait a second. Sam's just coming off a season. Regionals, states, all that stuff, high-level stuff. I mean, it's it's a crazy sport. You have to be a crazy athlete to hang in these ultimate frisbee games and like you got probably one of the hardest versions of that in terms of cardio just because we're doing pickup so you're playing every point usually you'll play like you know every third or fourth point on a real team but yeah no you hung in there you played pretty much the whole game zero breaks i was very impressed in tennis shoes and yeah you're right we did have some advanced players there uh, like we've mentioned in the past, one of them has played at Worlds, 40 years of playing. Um, definitely one of my favorite players to go out and play with. And it's definitely, you know, it's it's not not easy, not for the faint of heart, but it's it's definitely rewarding, you know. It's definitely an effort kind of game. You know, they're usually the team that gives most effort is usually going to win, and, you know, which, which is kind of the tale of the season called season, but yeah, no, I'm thrilled that you came out and, and you know, hopefully it's not your last time playing it. it. It can't be because there were a couple of plays, you know, like you said, I'm out there in tennis shoes. There are a couple times you get some people with some cleats. They make a cut. I can't keep up the t- couple of hardest things about being out there were one, the cleats changing direction, trying to keep up. Everybody else out there has cleats. I'm the only one, not it's just, it is a disadvantage. It is what it is when you're playing on a grass field like that. But tracking the Frisbee in the air as well, when you're used to tracking a football, footballs go in straight lines. You know where to chase it down. Frisbees don't. There's curve. There's wind involved. And a couple of times, you know, I was chasing a Frisbee like, oh, it's a football straight line. It's coming down this way. And all of a sudden spinning back left. And now again, I don't have cleats on. It takes me four steps to change direction, try to get back to the receiver. These are not excuses. It's a breakdown of what happened. And it's more saying there's a sour taste in my mouth about some of these plays that I'm going to have to come out and get some redemption, I think, in the pickup Frisbee. Yeah, looking for revenge. I love to hear it. No, I mean, definitely with the Frisbee, it's, you know, it's something that takes, you know, years to learn. And even people who are really experienced misread Frisbee sometimes. The wind can mess it up. Thankfully, it was a pretty chill day, but there was still wind. And, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely another reason why I love Frisbee as well. Just, uh, you know, the complexity of it, you know, how people can, you know, manipulate the disc, airbenders, what they call them, to get it into the weirdest, you know, areas, the holes that no one would ever see. And, um, you know, it's definitely, definitely a sport. It'll keep on playing, but happy you were able to join and glad you survived. <laughs> glad you survived. So now that, you know, you just go, hey, it's going to be the first time. You're not going to know what's going on. You're just going to get out there and you're going to you're just going to figure it out. Now that that first time is under the belt, now that I've gotten that out of the way, now we can get into the more like, hey, how do we space the field? How do we not clog up the lane for other people? How do we actually benefit the team? Because that's the thing that you really hurts being a new guy out on the field is, you know, you can make good plays. You can do good things, but just 
being a beginner, just not knowing, it's just hard to impact the team in a positive way when it comes to running these offenses, doing the formations, being in the right place at the right time. So after just now saying, hey, now we know how it goes. Now we know what it takes to play a game of ultimate Frisbee at this kind of like official organized level. Now that we know what that is, now we can move into these next steps of figuring out what a host stack is. Yeah. I love your respect for the Frisbee pickup stuff. Cause yeah, it's not, it's not nearly as organized. It's pretty, it's pretty tame. One of the actually games we were playing at regionals, we have like refs and stuff and they'll time like how long it takes you to pick up the disc. If it goes out of bounds, they'll tell you like to hurry up with starting on the line. Like they'll keep it going quick. So yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, official frisbee, it's, it kind of sucks. Uh, definitely pick up is my favorite mode. But yeah, just just uh, I guess we can do a little frisbee X's and O's. So like like we were saying a little bit earlier, oh stack, yeah, is a horizontal stack. Uh, I, I didn't see. I don't know. If okay. Ran okay. Too much, but um, it is it is a harder offense to run. Uh, one of the one of the harder out of the two main ones that are run. Uh, just because it's a lot more based on timing. Uh, you have four players in a kind of a line, kind of a horizontal stack across the field, and then about 20, 30 yards away further down the field, closer to your end zone, you have three handlers, you know, facing their players, obviously trying to get down to the other end zone. And the players that cut are usually the two cutters or, you know, the receivers who are in front of uh, that one one handler. So if you think about it, there's if it's on one, and those two guys, if it's in the middle, the two middle ones, and then if it's like on the right side, the right guy in the middle, middle right cutter. So, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a lot more better chemistry. You have to have really good chemistry to run that just because of timing, those cuts. Uh, and then if the cutter catches it, you know, knowing what to do, whether to give it right back to the handler or look up, things like that. And I know definitely on long follow, they run more of what we call vertical stack, vert stack. And that's more of just two handlers back um and and looking you know obviously upfield and then uh five players in one straight line kind of right in front of you know 20 yards away from one of the handlers but kind of in the middle of the field as much as possible and usually it's cuts from the person in the back which is the five so the back of us cutter um usually either they go deep or cut under and if they don't get it they get it back they get back in the stack um usually at you know somewhere in the middle so that one's definitely a lot more similar. You know, you have one person cutting. Everyone knows who's cutting. You know, it, it's a lot more simple in terms of the handler can just go back into the vertical stack if a receiver catches it. You know, it's, it's a lot more straightforward. But, you know, those are the two main ones. There's a whole lot of other offenses out there. So many complexities. Many, there's a lot, a good chunk of Frisbee players are tech guys, medicine guys, you know. So there, it's a very, very smart community. Teams, you know, at national levels will have six, seven, eight different kinds of defenses, you know, and it, it gets really complex. So it's uh it's uh it's definitely it's it's a it's a it's definitely a game that, you know, it, it'll go as far as you take it, how much work you put in is how much you get out, which is pretty much any sport. But um you were hustling, you were down there, you were getting it done. And uh I'm telling you, the more you play, the more you'll see your growth. I I mean, I was watching some film from last summer of me playing club and it, I mean, I couldn't watch it. It was, it was gross. So <laughs> it, you, you definitely getting time, you know, playing and, you know, maybe, maybe who knows we can get you up for summer league. Who knows now that's starting to fringe on organized Frisbee, but 
The more frisbee you play, the better you'll get. And I, I know you're you're just fine. You're 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 mossing people in your first game. Yeah, I mean, once they put me on Colleen, I started cooking on offense. Shout out Colleen. You know, and then we can start running some routes at that point. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she was definitely dead tired. And uh yeah, we were running pretty much the same people over and over. That was that was a really long game. But yeah, no, but yeah, thanks for coming out. You know, it was great to have you. And let me know if you ever want to pull up again. I know there, there's some ultimate up there in your area as well. So I don't have to make drive on down. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great way to stay in shape as you, as I'm sure you found out. It's, it's, it's a whole lot of running, but yeah, that should be about it uh, for the pod. Uh, Lakers are right now down actually by nine against the Warriors. So that's interesting uh -oh. on the road. I have to keep an eye on, on that. Yeah. Maybe Curry can bring his team back. You know, he's telling I mean, he has pedigree. He hasn't lost since, 2013 against any Western Conference uh, conference opponent. Who knows? He'll keep, maybe he'll keep the streak alive. I don't, I mean, obviously I'm not flipping my pick. I think Lakers are going to win, but anyway. And this one's at home. This one's at home. Yeah. So they should win this one, the Warriors, but who knows? LeBron, fourth quarter. I, I, you know, the team, the team, it feels like they just take off like the first half and then kind of try in third quarter. And then fourth quarter, they're like, oh, we actually got to win a game. So, and the, and some we'll, of the, and the we'll, thing about some of these starts, you get some of these starts where it's like the score looks a lot worse than it actually is. Like it'd be 14 to 21, 13. And it's like, okay, it's actually a seven point game. It's actually an eight point game, but yeah. you know, it's just, it's the math, the percentages it's they're down by 60, the 30, they have 30% more, but it's just some of these leads can look worse as the game goes, as they chip away, the Lakers will get back into this one. This is a good one. We better get to watching. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's my signal to, and the pod so yeah thanks for coming on thanks for coming down um appreciate it and um yeah we, we make sure you check out our youtube channel we're up in there rim and sam our and our instagram still going off love all the support and we noticed the audience is growing we, we actually got people listening so shout out to y'all who who have recently joined the pod um you know what you think i'm always i'm always checking the comment section i see what y'all are saying so if you ever want some topics you know something you, something you want us to focus on or you know just just let us let you know um hit us up on dms or hit the comments up so yeah but thanks for listening thanks for the support and we'll see you next week